On this episode, we discuss Sherlock Gnomes. What? Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey guys, I'm Stuart McCoy. Hey, Elliot McCoy over here. It's my brother, my brother, and me. <laughs> my brother, so, my brother McCoy. And we're uh, an advice podcast for the... Um, for the hard of hearing. So let's start talking louder. <laughs> hey, here's a question. <laughs> you're clipping, Wait, Elliot. You're clipping. Way. Oh, sorry. Sorry. That's because I went to barber school. Okay. Uh, so welcome back. We're sitting here in the old, uh, the cat ranch here at Travelodge, Seattle. Just yeah. a couple of guys sitting around a table. Yep. As always, it's a little weird when we do one of these hotel records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, uh, there's actually hotel room services right now taking care of the beds, cleaning the bathroom, mm-hmm. putting up new towels, setting up Dan's very elaborate demanded breakfast service. Oh, that I thought you were going to say my sex swing. My <laughs> nope, why, not what I was going to say. <laughs> why would I say that, Dan? I don't know. Why were you I don't telegra- know. You're the one who said it. I am not the one who said it. <laughs> Dan was telegraphing these elaborate arm motions that I'm assuming meant sex swing, but we just weren't reading it. I mean, in retrospect, I see now how, how what Dan was motioning could mean sex swing, uh, but the idea is so far outside the realm of my thinking mm-hmm. that it just didn't occur to me. So, Dan, tell us more about your hotels-only sex swing that you bring with you, I guess, on trips. Yeah, I mean, Do you have to, like, break the whole thing down? It's all... <laughs> Like a series of rods and <laughs> yeah, netting. No, it's you know, it's just like leather straps, you know, and like. So what are you hanging on? What? Yeah, what do you do? You well, that's drill for the, the ceiling. That's for the hotel to decide. Uh, that's oh. why I have to get the hotel into whole. I mean, they don't love drilling into the ceiling, but they will if you pay them enough. <laughs> I mean, how much do you have to pay them to do that? Oh, it's exorbitant, Ellie. <laughs> I guess you don't it depends even want to know. Hotel. Depends on the hotel. Depends on the swing. And then, mm-hmm. what do you do with it? Uh, I just swing around on it. I don't. I don't actually have sex. I just like having a swing. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh Yeah. You, you use the fact that it's called a sex swing to keep interested parties away from your place, so you're the only one able to sit in it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that would gross them out. It's think, like a rated R type situation where you're keeping the kids out. Do you think it would be hard? I've never used a sex swing. Let Let's just get out all our tables out, all our cards out on the table, okay. all our tables wow. out on the card. I've never used one. I've never seen one in real life. Well, you know, every, everything I've known about you up to this point would have led me to believe otherwise. I know you. Nice it's nice to have this big reveal. Look, it's it's a part of. I'm not proud of it. Uh-huh. Uh, my business card does read Elliot Kalen, erotic adventurer. <laughs> yeah. And I, but sex wings are still outside of my. I haven't yet had that quest yet. But I do imagine that my reaction would be like. When I am pushing someone on a swing, and my thought is, I want to be on that swing. Like yeah, I want to okay. be, I want to be riding that swing. So, I feel like it can. I, I feel like well, those things are designed so that just anybody you could, like you could be in the swing. I'm assuming. But I mean, if the, well, the times when the, my partner is in the swing, I'm going to be like, Ugh, I want to be riding the swing. Mm-hmm. Like, stop hogging the swing. And then you're like, now I got to buy two swings. That's how they get you. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh-huh. I got. It's it would, like if one guy, if you buy a Nintendo, but you only have one controller, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I got to buy a second controller. Well, and they sell them in pairs. I'm going to play know? nothing but Mega Man. What no. if you had two swings? 
things facing each other, and that's how you had sex. You just sort of slammed in and out of each other. <laughs> but like a like a like one of those hanging ball desk toys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that businessman had in the eighties. Exactly. It <laughs> sounds horrifying. Seems like a good way of breaking something. Forget I said anything. The other thing is, while you're having sex, you've got to keep pumping your legs to keep the swing going. Yeah. And like that's not easy to do. Uh, I mean, it's a good workout. Like, oh, it's you, great cardio. Yeah, I mean, and. The, uh, Guys, I don't think we talk about this on the podcast enough, but do your squats. That's the way you stay out of a nursing home, being able to get up out of that chair without yeah. assistance. That's a good point. Good point. So, Dan. So, obviously, this is a bad movie podcast. <laughs> I thought this was a sex paraphernalia <laughs> critical review podcast. I mean, that would do fantastically, probably better than what we chose as And our we wouldn't format. have to change the name. That's two. That's true. That's two. <laughs> it is two. That's two. Two podcasts. <laughs> two <laughs> under one roof. Ah, ah, ah. A one, a two podcasts. Uh, no, do, you think, is... do you think Sesmetry has done a count von count yet where he goes, let's count to podcasts. A one, a two, too many podcasts. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Oh, that's hilarious. Q, Thundercrack, Lightning. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a little cartoon about like, how they make toys. I don't know. What do they do on Sesame Street, Dan? You watch kids' TV a you lot. Know, like the letter I. And it's, you know, they don't really tell you about the uses of the letter I. They just sort of saying like, there's a letter I. And then you're like, okay, well, that wasn't really that helpful, but thanks. That's true. I remember a lot of those cartoons as a kid where it would be like, B, 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 What's the narrative thrust in this cartoon? I'm trying to figure out what are the stakes? Who am I rooting for? Is B trying to get Energon from the other B? I don't know. I'll have to follow the, uh, watch the rest of this one. Well, it's all in Sid Field's uh, Sesame Street writing book mm. uh, where you got to get that letter up a tree, throw rocks at that letter, and then get the letter down from the tree. Yeah. Uh, so we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. And for this episode, we watched... That's adorable. Dan's trying to keep us on track. A movie... <laughs> Sid Fields, uh, that's cool. short for Sidney Fields, the creator of Mrs. Fields' Cookies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. We watched a movie called Sherlock Gnomes. Now We did? We did. Uh, I think we watched this movie. I wasn't fully aware when I started that this was a sequel to okay. uh, to the film Gnomeo and Juliet. I mean, you must have been aware that the movie Gnomeo and Juliet existed. I did know it existed. but you I just didn't know that this was a direct sequel. I think it, it wasn't until the, the character Gnomeo probably was introduced that you're like, all of a sudden, it all hits you at once. Like you're, it's like the Kaiser usual Sose. suspect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't realize this part of the Nomeo and Juliet cinematic universe. Yeah, this is like an Avengers Infinity War situation where the classic Romeo and Juliet <laughs> characters meet Sherlock Holmes, which is what we've all been waiting. I mean, for. it's kind of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. To <laughs> yeah, be honest. I guess so. Uh-huh. Now, but there's less sex in this one. Oh, you better believe it. Less weird this Alan continue, Moore sex. This, this continues this podcast constant mentioning of Alan Moore's <laughs> sexual privilege. <laughs> Someday he's going to hear us in his cave in Northampton, England. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'll be like, well, I guess that's fair. <laughs> he'll say, it's a fair Got cop. Got me roasted. <laughs> Stick a fork at me. I'm done. Alan Moore, I could use a little less right about now. Uh, anyway, uh, Dan, so do you think anyone goes into Avengers Infinity War not realizing it's a sequel to something else? And is like, whoa, I am lost, fellas. <laughs> Who are these colorful characters? <laughs> This was such an imaginative movie to come up with so many crazy characters. Uh, but yeah, Sherlock. So Dan, so much world building. <laughs> so Sherlock Gnomes is a sequel to Gnomeo and Juliet, which uh-huh. is the story. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Did I assume you, of two gnomes who fall in love. Is you're the only one who has a 
kid, <laughs> I think you're the one who is contractually obligated to have already seen yeah. it. Now, when every children, every movie that comes out, uh-huh. uh, I, we have to ask ourselves two questions before we show it to Sammy. One, are there cars in it? Yeah. In case, if, there, if the answer is yes, just show him the movie. He'll watch it like a zombie, <laughs> yeah. and then over and over again. And then he'll talk about it for months on end. So like Speed Racer. Yeah, yeah, Speed Racer, Drive, The Driver, Gone in 60 Seconds, Bullet, yeah. Ronin. French Connection. French Connection. He loves Ronin, loves French Connection. Death weirdly, Race 2000. Weirdly, he kind of prefers French Connection 2, which oh. doesn't have that much car chase in it, but he finds Gene Hackman's performance when he is trying to kick heroin after being dosed with it once uh, to be, he's just like this, uh, Samuel will just be like, where was his Oscar? And I'm like, well, he won for French Connection, the first one. And he'd go, well, that's ridiculous. They should have saved it for the second one. Wow, yeah. Sammy really knows a lot about the history of the Oscars. No, just Gene Hackman. Oh, okay. He knows a lot about Gene Hackman. My son's favorite movie is Welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> and he, but he also loves Extreme Measures. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, that was the one with Hugh Grant, right? Where the doctors were experimenting on homeless men? I thought mm. Extreme Measures was the one where Andy Garcia needs to get Michael yes, Keaton's bone marrow right. for his dog. Oh, maybe son. that's a different one. Which Since one am Michael I talking Michael Keaton, about? the serial killer, is the only match for his son. <laughs> then am I th- what's, what's maximum risk? Maximum uh, risk? I think that has something to do with uh, Wesley Snipes jumping out of a plane. Okay, what about Total Overhaul? Is that a movie? <laughs> <laughs> what about, I think I that's a... That's a, a a house show? Yeah, what about Gut, Gut Reno? <laughs> Is that an action movie? Yeah. Gut Reno? <laughs> That's John Reno's bigger brother. <laughs> John Reno opens a restaurant. <laughs> it's basically Ratatouille, but instead of a rat, it's Jean Reno. Uh-huh. And so people are like, a Jean Reno in the kitchen? Never. Oh, uh-huh. in the hill department. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, so is it? does it have cars in it? Yes, show it to Sammy. Uh-huh. Have I seen it before? If the answer is yes and I like it, show it to Sammy. If the answer is no... Who knows what? No, I don't, I don't a, think so. You're right. It is extreme measures. I don't know what the... Oh, okay. I don't know what the Michael Keaton one is. Like, desperate... Desperate times. Des- yeah. De- <laughs> it's called call for. <laughs> desperate measures, maybe? Maybe it's called... Uh, it's not Nick of Time, because that's with Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. It's not... Let's go down the list of movies it isn't. <laughs> it's not Tender Mercy. It's that's with Robert Duvall. Uh-huh. It's not... Yuli's uh, Gold. It's not Yuli's Gold. That's with Peter Fonda. Yep. <laughs> it's not Baby's Day Out. It's That's not, with a baby. It's not Angels in the Outfield. No, it's not Angels in the Outfield or Angels in America. Two very similar films. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not Fat City. That's with Stacey Keach. Uh, Dan, should I keep naming movies and yeah. the people who are in them? Uh, sure. It's not Thelma and Louise, because that's Susan Sarandon. It's mm-hmm. not The Hunger, because that's also Susan Sarandon. It's not Dead Man Walking, because that's Susan Sarandon. <laughs> it's not Earth, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, that's Susan Sarandon. It's not Earth Girls Are Easy, that's Gina Davis, who's also in Thelma and Louise with Susan Sarandon. Desperate Measures. Desperate Measures. Uh, I got it. So Stuart got it. <laughs> yeah. So that was a lot of time wasted. Sherlock Gnomes, shall we? So I'm not familiar with Gnomeo and Juliet. Well, I assume it's a... Very uh, faithful retelling since Nomeo and Juliet are still alive <laughs> for Sherlock Gnomes. Spoiler alert for anyone who isn't, hasn't seen Romeo and Juliet. They don't make it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Dan, you're a big Sherlock Holmes fan. This is true. Tell us a little bit about your love for The Great Detective. Uh, I think it comes from my childhood desire to be smarter than everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, like, that's... I which, think that's uh, you, which you gave up on eventually. Yeah. That is <laughs> <laughs> <it's> clear. <laughs> <laughs> now I, now my, now I, I just decided to be best, at, the best at fumbling words. Wow. Something, well, uh, an attainable uh, goal. A joke you also kind of fumbled a little. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's how good he's. That good man. Oh man, he's the best. He nailed it. Uh, so Sherlock Holmes, tell us a little bit about this character for anyone who's not familiar with maybe the most famous character in detective fiction. Well, he he lives at two twenty one B Baker Street. This seems like not the best detail <laughs> to introduce him. He's the one. Oh, he lives somewhere. Uh, like, tell me about these. It. Tell me about these X Men characters. Well, they live on Gray Malkin Lane. <laughs> he's the world. All right, he's the world's greatest detective. Okay, okay that's a good start. That helps he's, me get a picture of him better. Uh, along with uh, Auguste Dupont, the Poe uh, uh, character, he kind of introduced the idea of deductive reasoning to the mystery uh, genre. Mm-hmm. And before uh, then, it had mostly been what seances or like and, people. Uh, there wasn't really like well, a Encyclopedia Brown. So I think much was first, right? Yeah, 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 that's right. Encyclopedia Brown and then Wikipedia Brown, who just makes shit up. His best friend and partner is John H. Watson, who. Uh, What's the H stand for? I don't think they ever established that. So let's I think, just call I think, him John Watson. I think that might have been one of those th- things that, um, like Conan Doyle, like says one thing one time and says another thing uh, another time. I, I, but maybe not. Like how he has a uh, an injury that migrates from his leg to his arm, depending on w- what story we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sherlock Holmes is a woman in some of the stories, right? <laughs> Doesn't he die and regenerate into new forms? There's yeah. like the first Holmes, the second Holmes, uh, the third Holmes. I think you're thinking of popular character, the Doctor from Doctor Who. Doctor mm. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Sound of a high five. Stuart nailed it. I mean, I could go on about Sherlock Holmes for quite okay, some time. So, so maybe the, don't. The movie so, begins in the Reichenbach Falls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, kind of, in a way. Uh, now, Dan, but Sherlock Holmes. So you were getting into this pretty excited because you love Sherlock Holmes. That's right. You were like, I can't wait to see what how he works <laughs> how in this he world. translates of- to the gnome. <laughs> and, and this Metier. is a character that hasn't been captured in TV or film in decades. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, I think he's ever been used. I think he's ever been a television or film and also, Holmes. And also, Dan looked at the, uh, the, 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 the voice credits for this movie, and he saw his favorite actor, Johnny Depp, was yeah, going to be right. doing the voice. Mm-hmm. That's thing, right. You, you said, uh, I mean, I might be paraphrasing here, but you were saying, it's not that you like him as an actor so uh-huh. much as you just like his personal life. You that's think right. Really <laughs> I think he really knows how to handle situations. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was like, oh, you would never do anything abusive to anyone. <laughs> I remember oh, no. you, you referred to him as an empathetic for the past few years. <laughs> as an empathetic and stabilizing influence, mm-hmm. I think is what you referred to him as. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably as like completely realistic perceptions of how money works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And doesn't not, like wine. <laughs> is not a Hollywood vampire, I think you mentioned. Uh so Nomeo so let's make one thing clear. Nomeo and Juliet, these are not like magic gnomes. They are <coughs> They're ceramic garden gnomes Uh who come to life Toy Story-wise because this posits a hideous fantasy world where all garden decorations actually come to life and pretend to not be alive when humans are around. So if you ever had sex in a garden, you were being watched by like a ceramic bird or something. (laughs) I feel like that's the the least likely thing to be concerned about. But I hate to derail the podcast already, but what's alive in this world, guys? Uh I think, I think so everything a, alive like is the story Toys of or? the of a soccer team. Yeah, is that, that, in that this crashes world? in the Andes? Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think we have to assume that the the story, the real life story, and the book and film Alive took place in the uh-huh. Nomeo and Juliet world. What about the song Alive by Seattle's own Pearl Jam? <laughs> you you got to know it. Yeah, is that the one about how they're they're still alive? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yes. So in this world, what's alive is I think human beings. Okay. Regular animals. Although I don't. Yeah, we see a squirrel and a dog. Uh-huh. And also anything you would place to decorate a garden. Okay. And yeah. also toys. And also uh, 
Chinese tchotchke like salt shakers and luck cats. So everything's alive, I guess, mm. in this. Everything okay. except furniture and buildings. So they have buildings. like a weird name Well, anything that could be anthropomorphized, I think, is alive. Yeah, I guess, you know what? If it has a face, it's alive. Uh-huh. So, and but that makes me wonder then, if you arrange two eggs and a peach strip of bacon into a face <laughs> on your plate, oh, does dear. it come to life and then scream when you eat it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it like, well, I ex- it's like the whale in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I exist all of a sudden. What is this world? No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But isn't that all of us, really? True. I mean, that is, I find that to be, that scene with the whale and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I think is, maybe uh, touches me more than any, emotionally, <laughs> more than any other thing. Because it's literally this character being like, what, what is this? This is wonderful. There's so many great things. I can't wait to experience life. And then it's dead. And I'm like, well, yep, that's everybody. Yeah. That's everybody's experience. Mm-hmm. So, see, see you next time on the Flophouse. That's right. So why don't, you, why don't you sit down and spend some more of your precious time with us? <laughs> yeah, this uplifting world. Uh, so we bummed everyone out. We talked about sex swings. Sherlock gnomes, that's right. Okay, yeah. So in this world, every, I think that's a good, it's a good uh, way to put it, Dan. Everything that can be anthropomorphized, that has like features, uh-huh. is alive and can talk. Uh-huh. Now, we begin. We begin. We begin with a stupid prologue where the gnomes argue about what story they're going to tell. We're going to skip that. It's uh-huh. just an occasion for dumb puns like Spider-Man gnome coming mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And it's yeah, like the rise and fall of the gnome empire. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like, call, yeah, fucking gnome <laughs> country for old men is sitting right there, <laughs> sitting right on the table. <laughs> yeah. So let's. Then they don't say that. Uh, so Sherlock gnomes. He's just what he sounds like. He's a garden gnome of Sherlock Holmes, and he's fighting his enemy Moriarty, who is not what he sounds like. He is. The mascot of a pie company? It's like if a Bob's Big Boy, but for pies, was evil. And I never quite understood the logic behind this character. They're just trying to make it – I think they just want to look like a goofy big baby who's crazy and has a rolling pin. Because rolling pins in England, of course, as we've seen in the Andy Cap comic strips, are weapons of domestic violence. And that's why you need a license to own a rolling pin. Yeah. (laughs) Very hard to get a gun. So a rolling pin is really what takes the place of guns in England. Mm -hmm. Uh, And – Moriarty wants to smash every garden gnome in London, and Sherlock Gnomes is devoted to saving the lives Which of every gnome. Which is, in this in world, mass murder is, is his goal, basically. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah, it's not but, like he's held up yeah, as an example. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> but Moriarty in like, the books is not like, I'm a serial killer. He just you know wants to do crimes. Well, yeah. this is a crime. Yeah. He's the Napoleon of crime. Yeah. Now, if he's the Napoleon of crime, does that make Sherlock Holmes the Wellington of crime? I mean, no, he kind of is. He's shitty to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean the Stuart Wellington. Oh, yeah. Then I don't know who's which one are we talking about? Uh, boots, <laughs> yeah, Wellington boot wellies. Uh, so they have a big fight on a dinosaur skeleton in the otherwise empty British Museum. They have this British Natural History Museum that. Let me just take a moment to d- complain about this. Every room in this museum has one enormous skeleton in it. No other exhibits. And yeah. it must have been easier to animate because this is a CGI movie. But it's just huge empty halls with one skeleton, no information plaques. So are we supposed to just walk into this museum and kind of ponder or deduct things ourselves? <laughs> I think the way they've 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 moved over to a digital age. So you you're supposed to like listen to oh. the audio to. Or there's like a QR code that you just uh-huh. like scan, you scan on your phone. On your phone that's yeah, like beep, but, boop, remember when those were really <laughs> big and everyone was using QR codes? <laughs> there, there's a uh, there's a statue in uh, the town of Sonoma, California, which is a little town known for its wine. There's a statue of the first governor of the town when it was still Mexican. Uh, this was still uh, in Mexican territory, uh, Governor Vallejo, or Mayor Vallejo. Maybe Boris it's just Vallejo? Mayor. Boris Vallejo, the painter. <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. and Julie Bell is right there. Oh, There's wow. a statue of him. Statue, the Boris Vallejo <laughs> statue that's just a muscle-bound man with women clinging to his legs. Yeah. Uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's more of a um, 
That's more of a oh, what's his name? Who's the other big? Uh, Simon Bisley. No, not Simon Bisley. Frank Frazetta. Frank Frazetta. Oh, okay. The women clinging to legs is more of a Frank Frazetta thing. Okay. With Boris Vallejo, it's more of a like, oh, okay, he really sculpted the ass of this barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's really a really he really paid a lot of attention to the glutes on, on this barbarian here. I mean, he he can't shame him for understanding the physio the anatomy of a human being. No, look, I'm not gonna I'm not complaining. Anyway, uh, but there's uh, this statue that they just put up recently of Vallejo sitting on a bench, and he has a book in his hand, and there's a sculpted QR code kind of slapped onto this uh-huh. the book he's holding, and it looks very silly. Uh-huh. And But it's you could easily miss it, but there, I feel like in 10 years, someone will be like, what is that on this statue? Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like if you did a statue of – they may put up a statue of George Washington in the 70s, and they were like, let's just have him – Holding an eight-track tape, <laughs> like we'll just have it popping out of his pocket. There'll be like there'll be a movie in like thirty years or something where somebody's doing like a national treasure t- type mystery, and it'll be like, and see this, they're like, what the fuck's that? Like that's a thing called a QR code they used to use. It stands for crazy. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this museum, it doesn't work right. But anyway, uh, Sherlock Gnomes manages to stop Moriarty. The uh-huh. dinosaur skeleton collapses on top of Moriarty. Everyone assumes he's dead. And Watson gives this kind of like mysterious look like, hmm. And it was at that moment that I knew Watson was going to turn on Sherlock Gnomes. No, that was exactly the same here. I don't know. Is it three for three here? Yeah, three so for like three, five yeah. minutes in, you're like, okay, so Watson's going to be a bad guy in this. Uh, we cut to the present day, I assume. I don't know how long ago that was supposed to have taken place. The older couple, An older couple is moving to London. I assume they're in the first movie yeah. because they bring their garden gnomes with them, and that includes Gnomeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. And all the gnomes hate the London backyard they're now in. I guess they used to be in a big garden. Probably. Now they're in like a little – what in a city was a beautiful backyard yeah. space, but in a, like a suburb or in the country would be a little like shitty postage stamp. You know. Yeah, it it kind of makes me long for uh, seeing the sweeping vistas of the uh, Nomeo and Juliet garden. Uh, you really maybe, w- should, maybe we should pop that in now. If you were <laughs> moving from a like beautiful like like countryside uh-huh. to one of these places with like a tiny garden, would you bring your garden decorations? Like, would you put garden decorations in like a tiny city garden? I mean, there's there is plenty of room for them, and there the reason I assume that they're moving is that they can no longer handle the upkeep. Of a large country home on that kind of piece of land, they're getting older, Dan. Or maybe, they're, and maybe they're, they're they have children, and their children have just had a young child, and they want to be close to that young child. Yeah, yeah. And so this is all important backstory. You reach you reach a point in your the first half of your life, Dan, is the accumulation of things. Uh-huh. You're expanding. Your life expands, and with it, your kind of footprint in the world expands. And there, you reach a point in your life where. That footprint begins to contract. Mm-hmm. And That's when the when you the whale are getting closer to the ground. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. And you start to divest yourself of things, whether by choice or by not. And I remember uh, see, visiting my grandmother uh, in a like hospital for old people, and she was like basically sleeping in a hospital bed, and she just had like three things. She used to have this big house full of stuff yeah. from her travels around the world, and she just had these three statues from Africa that she had brought on a shelf and like one book. And I was like. Oh, like that's what happens when you get to certain ages. You to to get ready for divesting yourself of your mortal shell. You begin to divest, divest yourself of physical objects. Well, I mean, and so thank you for bringing the podcast back down. All I <laughs> all I was gonna say was that it seems like the more likely sequel to Nomeo and Juliet would be them in an 
in a secondhand store where they've been sold off. Well, let me explain. So they bring these. They're like, these are our children. Okay. These are our, uh, these are our spiritual children. We have to bring them with them. And now their real kids are going to be like, we got to talk to mom and dad about the garden oh, gnomes. Wow. We got to talk. We got to get rid of these garden gnomes. Excellent they can't work. take care of them anymore. Ooba dooba doo. Bingo. Hit it. I got blisters on my fingers. That's from Helter Skelter. Anyway, thanks. So we among these gnomes are Gnomeo and Juliet. They are. I'm just gonna say it. Are they an annoying couple to you guys? What do you? Well, do you mean because Nomeo is voiced by like the chaviest uh, <laughs> James McAvoy? Like James McAvoy, known for being kind of like a cool posh dude, is like I'm gonna I'm gonna slum it up with this He's, accent. I'm East Endering it up with I'm this one. I'm calling everyone mate. Yeah, and uh, well, it just I think more because they like kind of like joke with each other and like rub noses and stuff. There's a part where they hold, love, e- they hold each other's hands and spin around and stars fly out. And this goes on for like 70 minutes. I remember yeah, watching yeah. it and being like, You're are like, they still spinning around? Like, is this goddamn Elton John song on repeat? What's going on? <laughs> That's the other thing. So I didn't, I, this was a mystery to me until Dan cleared it up for me is that this movie is obsessed with Elton John. Almost yeah. every song on the soundtrack is an Elton John song. Even when it doesn't make sense, yeah. even the orchestral score includes pieces of Elton John songs. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Dan, what's that all about? It's co-produced by Elton John's uh like it's called Rocket Pictures or Rocket Films or something like that. Rocket Man Films? Exactly. Cuz that's an Elton John song. Exactly. And he it's like specifically for family <laughs> movies. <laughs> the, wait, those aren't true. <laughs> what? Rocket Man isn't an Elton John song? Yeah, it is. Yeah. No, Crocodile Rock is. Rocket Man is David Bowie. No. No, that's You're Space Man. So, or, st- or Space Wait, Oddity. what's Rocket Man? Rocket Because I'm, I'm a rocket man. Oh, I'm into my chair. <laughs> Electric socket man. <laughs> Anyway. You got a Grocket man. Don't, That's a Heinlein reference. <laughs> don't fight with us, the two big Elton John heads in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're a bunch of Johnos. Yeah, <laughs> we're big Elt butts. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a time out. We're from All the right. uh, we're from the uh, benevolent protectorate order of Elts. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so Elton John is a producer of the film, is what you're saying? Yes. Or his company is? Yes. Because there's there's a part where you see an Elton John gnome for a moment. Yeah. In and one you're scene. Like, why? And like why? Like <laughs> and I, con- contemporary reference. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't sure if it was like one of these things where like uh, Lonely Island is with um, what's his name? Who's that singer? That nobody likes. I have no Michael idea. Bolton. Oh, Michael, Michael Bolton. Yeah. Where you just choose like kind of an older musician. Guys, I'm, out of, I'm out of the penalty box. Yeah, yeah. You, you remembered Michael Bolton. <laughs> okay. uh, what I like is there are two David Bowie songs you might have gotten Rocket Man mixed up with. <laughs> there were, I was I was thinking about recently if you were going to name the top ten most influential science fiction writers of the 20th century, I think you'd have to put David Bowie on that list. Like I don't. It's hard for me to think of a big influential music like of, of any sort of art. Who was that in science fictiony? Yeah, in his in his work, like it, and in a way that I feel like his fans didn't look at necessarily. Hmm. But you look at David Bowie's stuff, and there's so much stuff about aliens or like altered perceptions or things like that. How time can change me, but I can't trace time. He was going to yeah. do like an adaptation of 1984 in like music form, which turned into the Diamond Dogs album, which I learned that this is David Bowie, or this is Bowie, whatever. That exhibit. Oh, a little exhibit. ad for the Brooklyn Museum, David <laughs> yeah. Bowie exhibit, which the I exhibit think is, is almost closed great, great museum, though, still worth going to. Yeah, yeah come got, on, support the arts. they got some good stuff. They've got, uh, and if you go to the Brooklyn Museum, go to the visible storage section. It's pretty cool. 
Oh, okay. And That's then, a little uh, tip from Elliot. Need a go, little tip go from a one few who blocks knows. away and throw rocks at Dan's window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Smash them. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, we can talk about David Bowie later or not. I'm not that big a fan of his. I just like that he's a science fiction oh, guy. Oh, wow. Now that he's, now now that that he's he dead. <laughs> now, that, now that the boaster, now that he and I are no longer friends because he's dead, mm-hmm. I can finally say what I think, which is that he's fine. Oh, wow. Jeez. Wow. Uh, okay. I just remember when he passed and everyone was like, there's no God anymore. The stars have fallen out of heaven. And I was like, yeah, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's like, that's the way I'll feel when like John Cleese passes. Uh-huh, but I then guess. when Vinnie Paul from Pantera dies, I was like, it's no! like, oh! <laughs> ripping his How shirt will off I ever walk again? <laughs> <laughs> Daniel's like, Sammy, you need to leave daddy alone for a while. I'm like, Sammy, a cowboy went back to hell today. <laughs> 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 uh, so anyway, uh, Juliet's parents, I guess, are like the king and queen of the gnomes. They name Gnomeo and Juliet the new leaders. The winter's coming. Uh, and I guess the – and so that means beyond the wall, the uh, the yep. ice people are attacking or something, <laughs> some kind of snow zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and meanwhile, there's another gnome they're friends with who has a crush on a statue of a frog. Ben- Benny voiced by, what, Matt Lucas? Now, this frog, by the way, is supposed to be an analog to the nurse – from Romeo and Juliet, uh, which I only, which I only found out. Is Benny supposed to be like Mercutio? Because uh, he's nothing like him. He's I, not like Tybalt either. I I, I can't remember. No. I went to the Wikipedia page for <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, and all of these characters that don't I seem like, like anything are supposed to be analogs for characters. Maybe fiery uh, Tybalt was killed in Romeo uh, and Juliet. Maybe somebody had to have been. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so okay, so you're saying in Nomeo and Juliet, these characters were created for Nomeo and Juliet, and yes. now they're just kind of like stuck in this new movie, exactly. where they don't really fit. Okay, because yeah. I was like, I don't care about this other gnome and his crush on this frog. And the frog is voiced by what's that actress's name? That's great uh, from no Extras idea. and Catastrophe. Yeah. Oh, what is her name? Dan, you're the one who looked at the Wikipedia page. Uh, yeah, but well, I don't retain great. everything. I'm not Sherlock Holmes. I don't retain everything. Uh, maybe I see you should. In my I'm gonna look it up real Although I gotta say, uh, a lot of this movie. People, oh, Ashley Jensen. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she is great. Uh, a lot of times people would show up and I'd hear a voice and I'm like, is that fucking James Corden? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did that over and over. I guys. thought that Moriarty was was James Corden. I thought, not. And I, I was, thought that I was, Nomeo was James Corden. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially when he's when he's did his uh, gnome pool carry gnome key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, James Corden, not in this film. But it is the kind of but he was in the emoji movie. Which we That's, watched. I don't know. We haven't released that episode yet, have we, Dan? No, we haven't released. Okay, it. so get ready. We will. We'll talk about James Corden in that one. Uh-huh. True Believers, Face Front, Excelsior, <laughs> yeah. as seen in that episode. Uh, that's a story for another time. Like the giant rat of Sumatra, Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Gnomes. So Sherlock misses having an enemy now that Moriarty is dead, and he clearly doesn't respect Watson. He just doesn't give him yeah. any respect. Which He's, turns. I gotta say that Sherlock. I can't uh, believe you just stepped on his uh, his Rodney Dangerfield bit over here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, nope, it's Ro- too late now. Or Rover Doggerfield. I can't tell which one it was. <laughs> Rover Doggerfield. <laughs> I think it's just Rover Dangerfield. <laughs> now it's <laughs> crazy. Our new character, Rover Dogger Pup. As you can tell, he's a Ro- he's a Rodney Dangerfield parody. Why would I be able to tell that? His name has been mangled into incomprehensibility. <laughs> his name is Rover Dogger Fido. Is that a hardy fire scene character? <laughs> what is? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say, though, sorry about interrupting, was that like don't be Dan. Sherlock Holmes. Turn about his fair play. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, the original character, is uh, 
an, sort of an arrogant cold man, but he's still likable in part because of his devotion and friendship with Dr. Watson. Now, how do you feel about – I feel like this Sherlock Holmes is less a take on the stories and more a take on the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock Holmes. Could be. Could be. Uh, how do you feel about this understanding of Sherlock Holmes, much the way that every Marvel hero like Doctor Strange is now Iron Man, a – a wise ass who is a real fuck up, but he's a hero in the end. Even the characters that shouldn't be like that, like Doctor Strange. Why, how do you feel about every Sherlock Holmes now being like kind of a sociopath who is mean to other people? Yeah, or like uh, Johnny Lee Miller, who's basically old Sheldon, like an old version of young <laughs> Sheldon, all grown up. Well, that's the second part of my thought is that like. I'm glad this, I teed it up. You're welcome. This uh, <laughs> this Sherlock Gnomes is so much less likable than Sherlock Holmes because he's such an asshole to his gnome, uh, Dr. Watson. Yeah, like, Dr. Watson gnome. There's no – I just feel like you're watching this thing and you're like, why am I supposed to care about this guy? Like, what, this gnome? Why am I supposed to care about this gnome? This gnome is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that when you watch a movie and you find yourself asking the question, why am I supposed to care about this gnome? I feel like the movie has failed <laughs> in that moment or gnomant, as you might say. Yeah. And you just want to go and listen to the work of Klaus Nomi or in the gnome world, Klaus Nomi. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, Sherlock is not respecting Watson. Gnomes are disappearing again. Uh-oh, just like when Moriarty was around. And there's a TV news story about it where they mention Sherlock Gnomes. And so I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> What's is the TV news I, making a joke or is Sherlock Gnomes famous? I was kind of into it because I kind of was into this bit because it was like they they seemed like they were kind of – it was a, a moment of self-aware like winking at the audience. Okay. Yeah, and then, like they ended the seg- the TV segment by being like, why are we reporting on this? This is not a story. Well, then they go like some say it's a, mist- a catastrophe. Others, it's a slow news day. <laughs> yeah. So there are, there are a few jokes in this movie that are funny jokes. Yeah. I, this was a funnier movie than I thought it would be. Still not – I wasn't laughing a lot, but there were funny things. Okay, so back to the gnomes. We're introduced to the horror that is Mankini gnome, who yeah. is a gnome wearing a Mankini with like a foreign accent. So it's like, is this a takeoff on Borat? I think it's a Borat thing because yeah. it's the same. It's the same. Mankini. Or just and just the general uh, joke that like Europeans are uh, often wear small swimsuits. Okay, yeah. uh, and they're ju- just so advanced. I yeah, that's think. what we'll all be wearing in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just change out of our silver jumpsuits that cover our entire body. And underneath it, that silver jumpsuit is a slingshot swimsuit. Yeah, with a yeah, slingshot thong slim swimsuit. Slim mm-hmm. suit. Because uh-huh. they're very slimming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, Juliet is so focused on making the garden work that she's not paying attention to Nomeo. And Nomeo's all like, Wah, what about our relationship? Wah, wah, I'm a baby man. And it's like... And we're supposed to sympathize with Nomeo here, but there was part of me that was like, you guys have a big job to do. Like, yeah. finish the job. Don't wor- Juliet is still your love. Like, she can be interested in work and not be interested in you. Anyway, Nomeo, there's only one solution. Go on a spy mission to steal a flower for her from a florist shop. He almost gets caught, though. And, uh-huh. uh, Did Ju- Tie into the main plot at all? I can't remember. No, it's what you would call a side quest. It just okay. got, the, it got it got the two of them out of the out of the garden, so that when the rest of them all get scooped oh, up, yeah, right. and also it gives them an op- Juliet an opportunity to get mad at Nomeo for endangering himself. So they have an argument. When they get back, all the other gnomes are gone. Mm-hmm. It removes them from there. Sherlock and Moriarty show up because Sherlock has deduced that that Sherlock and Watson. Oh, sorry, Sherlock oh, and Watson. Wow. Well, <laughs> oh. left. Oh boy, Sherlock. Uh, he thinks Moriarty's back. He's deduced that that garden will be hit next. All the gnomes are gone. So now uh, Sherlock and Watson. And, and there's no- a Moriarty calling card there, right? Yes, there is. Yeah. Which is a literally a card with an M on the back and a mm-hmm. clue on the front. Now to deduce the clue, Sherlock does the first of 
a few times when he goes into his like memory palace in his yeah. brain in uh-huh. 2D animation. And I got to admit, I loved these sequences. I like this yeah, 2D animation. Pretty cool. Yeah. And it was like, they did a great job with them. They're super inventive. And I was like, oh, right. Because 2D animation is amazing. Because yeah. you can do anything with it. And it does like, it made me realize that moment. I was like, I would like this movie a lot more if it was not a CGI movie. Yeah, it's true. The CGI, I didn't, haven't thought about it before, but the CGI cartoons are sort of tethered to reality in a way that 2D stuff isn't. Very much so. With CGI, it, the choice seems to have made at a certain point that the purpose of CGI animation is to get as close to reality as possible. And mm-hmm. by doing that, you lose a lot of what I'm going to call the plasticity of animation. Yeah. Like forms can no longer bend and change because they have to seem real. And I think part of that's because... When you're drawing, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You're just drawing a picture. But with a computer, you need to work out the physics and the mechanics of it so that it doesn't look weird and messed up mm-hmm. when it's when it animates. <laughs> a, uh, a task that the makers of Food Fight uh, failed at. <laughs> yeah, but in a weird way, I'm like, it makes me look back at Food Fight and go like, oh, at least like the characters in that were looked like weird cartoon characters. They were hideously ugly yeah. and awful, but but the but like when it it just reminded me like oh it, like 2D animation if you look at like the old Warner Brothers cartoons or, like, old Disney stuff. Like, there's <clears throat> all no the non, limit. All the non-racist stuff. The stuff that's not... I'm not saying go watch Isle of Pingo Pongo or anything like we, that. Uh, a buddy of mine did, hosted a, uh, like, a uh, breakfast cereal and animation thing where he did a curated, like, three to six-hour block of Whoa. animation that was animation through decades. Oh, cool. And it started... Uh, and, man... I've seen that. I've seen that presentation in various forms a couple of times, mm-hmm. and that bit with uh, what is, what's uh, Mark Anthony, the dog, and the tiny little. Oh cat. yeah, feed the kitty. I could watch that fucking cartoon every day. That's a great cartoon. And it's not just because of the fetishizing of the housewife with the uh, <laughs> with, who wears high heels while baking stuff. I've, I've seen that cartoon with like a crowd like three or four times, and it always works like gangbusters on everyone, and like everyone's like. On the verge of tears at various it's points, so like in addition he, to laughing. Yeah, when Mark Anthony thinks that the kitty got made into cookies, yeah, and you're like, no. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a sweet cartoon, and but, you're also like Disney cartoon, like this kind of cartoon. Uh, it's Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers yeah. yeah. That was like, like Chuck Jones. That's cartoon, back in the day when like. They could chop this kitty up, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a hint of danger. Well, there's you could. It's the Warner Brothers would never go quite that far. Like what the story I've always heard about Tex Avery was he left Warner Brothers because there was an early Bugs Bunny cartoon he did where Bugs Bunny is being chased by this dog and they fall off a cliff and they're going, ah, and you you believe that they died. And then they go, fooled ya. And then it abruptly cuts to black. And what that what was originally happens in that cartoon is they then step off a cliff for real and die for real. <laughs> and it ends with their tombstones. <laughs> and Warner Brothers was like, we're not really going to kill these characters. And Tex Avery left. And then he went to MGM where they would allow him to kill the characters. Mm-hmm. There's a Screwy Squirrel cartoon that ends with Screwy Squirrel having been murdered by, <laughs> by a dog. Yeah. And Screwy Squirrel has X's on his eyes and he holds up a sign that says, sad, isn't it? <laughs> but, but like uh, – so I guess what I'm saying is CGI feels like it has hit a cul-de-sac in yeah. a weird way. And seeing these 2D sequences where Pe- there's – Peaked at reboot, right, is what you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said reboot was the crest and everything after – it's much like when a – long lawnmower the dire straits video. <laughs> <laughs> it peaked with Weird Al's Beverly Hillbillies parody of the dire straits video. Uh, the It was like uh, – uh, it was – at it's, least there's I, no like problematic verses in the Weird Al Yankovic version. I hope not. Yeah, uh, he avoids any slurs in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. except for Hillbilly. I mean, uh, you could argue uh, that it's a parody, but still, you know. 
But uh, there's that there's in these two D animation scenes. There's just like a, there's like an inventiveness there that there's all these tiny little Sherlock's running around and like there's yeah a, a, you've, the dimensions of the screen are, are moving around a lot and it's yeah. anyway it just was really cool. So nice whoever did those sequences nice. Yeah, there was the mo- moment where I'm like I'm gonna have to say something that I genuinely like about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought I'd say this, but here's the part I liked about Sherlock gnomes. Anyway, we'll speed through. <laughs> Uh, Sherlock and Watson race off to the next where the next clue takes them. Nomeo and Juliet follow along. There's a tidal wave action scene in a sewer pipe set to a guitar version of I'm Still Standing. And this is when I started realizing there's a lot of Elton John in this movie. Uh, the, uh, Watson says they have 24 hours to follow Moriarty's clues before he smashes all the gnomes. The first clue leads them to a trinket shop in Chinatown. Uh, where there's a tiny salt shaker voiced by James Hong. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of, like, luck cats everywhere that they and have to I, run away from. I was slightly uncomfortable with the design of the salt shaker, the Asian salt shaker. Yeah, but he, it was, I wasn't I'm, quite I'm sure how racist it was. Yeah. Ja- I mean, but James Hong is great. Oh, oh sure. James He's Hong's fantastic. Everything. I love, love James Hong since like, I was a kid. And, like, his comic timing's great in it. Like, Oh, yeah. But it, there, I was like, in my notes, I go, it's all somewhat racist. Or is it? Like, I couldn't, <laughs> it made me uncomfortable. But there, he Sherlock, he did something back in that place that they didn't like, so they chase him out. Uh, Nomeo argues with Sherlock and Juliet takes Sherlock's side uh oh so Nomeo runs off with Watson to the Natural History Museum and Sherlock tells Juliet you're probably gonna break up that it's a 98 he goes it's a 99% chance you and Nomeo are gonna break up and she goes what and he goes well I rounded down a little bit but then they see a dragon uh oh uh-huh. it's a gargoyle that attacks Nomeo and Watson so gargoyles are alive in this universe yes yeah. and do they are they protectors like no, they not, are in the cartoon not show not like the cartoon at all they are big dumb uh, low class yeah. uh, bad guys and apparently okay. they can fly around even though they're made of cement that, okay Dan now you, bring, you raise a good point <laughs> how do they get up in the air <laughs> since they're made out of cement <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't understand Bernoulli's principle enough to explain how this works. And I would have guessed that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, Dan. If you said to me, well, here's how Bernoulli's principle works, I think my eyes would have popped out of my head. <laughs> Likely you're wearing glasses or else I mean, I'm going to just hit the fucking <laughs> yeah, table. Just bounce I have right a back. basic understanding about it. It's something about how the air has to ride, move faster on top of the wing than below it, which creates lift. But uh, Pardon me while my eyes pop out of my head right now. <laughs> uh, so it raises the question. A gargoyle is like literally a block of stone that's been chiseled. Yeah. But so do they have – they can expand their wings and move around. Do they have like skeletons and understructures? I mean it's the same thing is where it, it magic? seems like some of the garden gnomes, like the smaller, more minion-y type garden gnomes, don't, can't seem to move their arms or legs or anything and just kind of bounce around. Yeah, and then there's the one gnome who's like attached to the uh, toilet. Who's sitting on a toilet all the time. But then he gets up from the toilet later on. Uh-huh. Does he? He jumps up to dance and it's like – but then later he makes Watson carry him on the toilet and it's like dude we saw you get up off of that toilet <laughs> just get off and carry your own toilet the, so like it's it's questionable i don't think we can do any harder fast rules about what can or can't work right. in this universe okay so the gargoyles attack nomeo and watson this is after watson has dropped another clue that he's a bad guy he goes we all have our good and bad sides sherlock look me looks at the camera <laughs> he looks at the camera and holds up a sign that says i'm a bad guy and and chuatel jfor does the voice like i'm gonna be as ominous as possible <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna channel my children of men voice uh oh what a good movie so watson in the in the conflict plummets from a roof and we hear a shattering uh-oh, Watson is dead, and Nomeo gets kidnapped. And Juliet is horrified that Sherlock isn't sadder that his friend Watson died. Mm-hmm. I'm horrified, too, as a Sherlockian. Well, but there is a Sherlock <laughs> is does kind you, of— you call, I thought it was Lockheed's. 
Uh, I thought yeah. they were John Holmes's. <laughs> it was <the> Sherlock Holmes <laughs> fans. That's wrong. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any other ones. You guys are gazing at me as if I'm going to contribute something uh, to this. But. They call themselves Slylock Foxes. All right. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, good. are you more of a Sherlock Holmes fan or a Slylock Fox fan? I'm a Max Mouse fan, personally. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> I think you just wanted to say that name. Dan, yeah. have you ever gone to London and like tried to find 221B Baker Street? I've been to 221B Baker Street, yeah. They've got uh-huh. a museum there. Of what? Fake stuff? Yeah. Sure. They, yeah. They've recreated Sherlock Holmes' fake apartment. You know, there's like... You know, tobacco and his Persian slipper and uh, Victoria Regina uh, initials. Excuse me. <laughs> the wall with bullets. <laughs> uh, everything from the. Do you think when Queen Victoria was around, when people would say Victoria Regina, they would then go. Because <laughs> it sounds so much like vagina. Mm-hmm. Probably. I mean, I don't know. It was the Victorian period. They, they were they were repressed, but they, you know, they had their little stuff going on underneath the surface. <laughs> That's true. That's true. They were pretty kinko. Uh, much like that that sex shop kinkos. <laughs> I was so it was so surprising to me how you like you go to the small towns and then right there in the strip mall there's like this sex store called yeah. Kinkos uh-huh. that's huge. They're uh-huh. enormous and people are just walking in and out like they it's no big deal. And have sex like, with the Xerox machines. And yeah, you're like can I get a pair of sex swings? They're like only comes in once. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I buy two ones? No, <laughs> the second one is is twice the price for some reason. <laughs> It's actually buy one, get the second one much more expensive. Uh, okay, so Nomeo's ki- uh, Nomeo get kidnapped. Uh, Juliet and Sherlock, the only thing they can do now is wander through a modern art museum where Sherlock goes to find inspiration. Mm-hmm. And Nomeo- and Juliet realizes she, realized she misses Nomeo. Even though they had one fight, she still misses the love of her life yeah. when he's been kidnapped by a dragon monster. Uh-huh. Uh Nomeo finds he's been taken by the gargoyles to a big gnome dance party. All the gnomes are there, and they're having a great time. But he's pretty sure it's a trap, and they're all going to get smashed. more Elton John music. Yeah, there's lots of Elton John music. I think it's Philadelphia Freedom is what they're dancing to, like uh, a club version. And Mankini Gnome is dancing his heart out. He loves it. It's his mm-hmm. favorite thing. You see a yeah. lot of gnome butt. Yeah, yeah this movie, so. And there's a, there, there's a fair amount of, like, Gnome homophobia for like nomophobia. Nomophobia. That's <laughs> you beat me to it, Dan. <laughs> that's directed toward Mankini. Like the you idea. think so? I feel like I. I don't know. I got that impression that like explain. the other male gnomes were put off by his uh, exhibitionism. Huh. I hmm. thought that they were very accepting. Of yeah, Mankini. I thought they were all into it. Okay. Uh, the, maybe. I mean, the fact that his maybe I brought something different with me. <laughs> that's on me. I guess. I mean, Robin Wood would say that you bring yourself to the film. No matter what, no or I matter guess, what, no matter what, or I guess maybe it's it's not him, but in a, in the essay, the immediate experience talks about how uh-huh. uh, the reviewer has to admit that he's a human being uh-huh. who has gut reactions to things, uh-huh. and so you can't. There's nothing you can watch objectively. You always bring your frame of reference to it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what's going on here. As we maybe all know, I Stuart, saw a you're bit very... of myself in Mankini. <laughs> I think that's it. Because as we all know, Stuart is very uncomfortable with his own body, other men's bodies. <laughs> so I think, one I, thing we know about Stuart. <laughs> uh, but that I, uh, because they seem pretty okay with Mankini's butt just being out. But then when Toilet Gnome stands up for a moment to dance, everyone is horrified by his butt. he hasn't wiped. That's oh, why. that's what it is. Oh, I wait! You're, so you're, you're telling me that there is <laughs> n- ceramic poop stuck to his butt? I assume so. <laughs> like what gnome artisan is so so perfectionist that he's like, you know what? I'm paint. I'm cra- crafting a gnome sitting on a toilet. No one's gonna ever know that this gnome has a little splotch of brown paint on his butt. Yeah. But I'm gonna know. I'm gonna know. Yeah. I'm gonna gnome, and mm-hmm. so I have to make sure this. Like when uh. So, like someone hides a little something in a, in a work of art so that, uh, that only they're going to know about. But here's what I was going to say. 
I first encountered this film as a trailer before the film Ferdinand, which I took my son to go see because we were— Is there a car in it? Uh, there are cars in it. Okay. Uh, we were trapped in New York. Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2, trapped in New York. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because there's a mysterious dome around the city, and yeah. Kevin McAllister can't get out, yeah. and the city falls into chaos. Yeah. Uh, they, we were trapped in New York. Our flight home had been canceled. It was the coldest— Winter New York in 100 years. And we ha- we were like, let's go to the movies. We went to see Ferdinand. The trailer for Sherlock Gnomes was almost all butt jokes. Mancini's <laughs> butt, toilet gnome butt, a part where Sher- Sherlock Gnomes is shaking his butt in mm-hmm. front of Juliet. And I was like, ugh, come on. And watching this movie, it's like, oh, every butt joke in the movie is in the trailer. Yeah. Like, they know what kids like. Kids find butts hilarious. Yeah. As my son. And adults, too. <laughs> and adults. My son's favorite phrase now is booty butt. Okay. Which he says all the time, uh, I do not care for. Get him a t-shirt. <laughs> it just says booty butt on it. Uh, but anyway, so they're at this if you take the phrase and put it in a t-shirt, he will grow out of it just like the phrase will. Gr- Wait, <laughs> I'm trying to turn that into some kind of some kind of curse. <laughs> uh, okay, interesting. Yeah, trying to weave a spell around this. Uh, how to get your kid to stop to stop saying booty butt? Yeah. I mean, okay. it's better than the other thing he says a lot, which is about how he's going to cut my hands off and, <laughs> and cut my head off and stuff like that. Wow. That's okay. just, but that's just four-year-old boy stuff. Like, uh, all right. I used to— uh, I mean, as soon as he starts this, torturing animals, just let me know. I told Danielle, I said, if he's not wetting his bed, lighting fires, or torturing animals, we're doing okay. If yeah. he starts doing two of those three things, we're in trouble. When I was a little kid, my, uh, the, the, the invective I would throw at my mother whenever I was angry is that I was going to crush her bones and throw them out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've mentioned that. That's pretty good. So, uh, show it's probably a trap. This dance party. The gargoyles seem pretty sinister. And so, uh, Sherlock and oh, so Sherlock and Juliet. Their next clue takes them to a park where Sherlock was once bitten by a dog, and they're in a squirrel costume. Yeah, it's and, like the Hound of the Baskervilles reference is thrown in there. Yeah, uh-huh. and they get chased. There's a chasing of the riding mower, and Sherlock they're chased by a spectral hound across the moors. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It turns out that it's not a, really a ghost. Mm-hmm. And then Alan de Botton writes a whole book about how Sherlock Holmes picked the wrong guy in the story, oh, really? taking advantage of. Have you ever never have you ever no. read Sherlock Holmes was wrong? No. It's a book about basically he's like taking advantage of plot holes in the in the story oh. to explain no. that it was actually a different person who was a murderer and Sherlock fell for. The, it's the like the, real bad it's guys like the original Honest Trailers or something. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. In a way, it is, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Uh, and so, uh, but we're learning that. These clues are sending Sherlock to places where he has had embarrassing things in the past that he has to face. He oh. is not liked at the Chinese trinket shop. He was bitten by this dog. And he has the to next, go visit a former love. He got to go to a doll museum or store or something mm-hmm. where his former love, Irene, named after Irene Adler, right? Yeah, voiced by Mary J. Blige. And yeah. also, like, the person who uh, opens the door for uh, at Irene Adler's place is uh, Gregson, which is the name of the other big... Dete- uh, Sh- uh, Scotland Yard detective other than Lestrade. Oh, oh I didn't no. know that. Yeah. Is there a Lestrade in the movie? No, there wasn't. It was, I, it was interesting that they went with Gregson. Just, I thought they were like, we're going to be subtle for once in this movie. Mm. We're, gonna, we're not going to take the road most traveled. We're going to take the road slightly less traveled. Yeah. Uh, they also take the road very less traveled in that when going to see his ex-fiancee, Irene, who is a doll, she does not explain anything about the plot, but instead has an entire R&B song about how she doesn't need him and she's super strong now that uh-huh. has no bearing on the plot. And this, it was one of these weird things where I was like, if this movie was a musical, 
you wouldn't have to have an explanation for this scene. I just take it in stride. But this movie is not a musical. This uh-huh. is the only scene where the characters break into song. So it seemed very out of place. It was like if the Music Man was a drama, and then suddenly uh, Buddy Hackett starts singing Shapoopy. And you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> well, I don't understand why this is happening. But in the but because the Music Man is a musical, when Buddy Hackett starts singing Shapoopy, you just go, well, every musical's got one crap song, and this yeah. is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, this was this was my cue to ride that ten second skip button. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Irene sits down with Juliet, and Juliet, while speaking, realizes that Nomeo is devoted to her, and that he just wanted to get her attention so badly because he loves her. Oh, that's sweet. Nomeo, meanwhile, he escapes the gargoyles and their dance party by having his friends set up a play uh-huh. for the gargoyle who loves fairies to wa- and princesses to watch uh-huh. so he can escape. And it's during that play that the frog realizes that Benny the gnome has a crush on her okay. because he can't kiss her in the play because he likes her too much in real life. Mm-hmm. Now, Dan, you're an actor. Yeah. Did this run? Did he run in this situation a bunch of times where you're like, right. I don't want to kiss my co-star because I'm secretly in love with you? Uh, I don't think I would have that problem. I mean, that sounds gross. Dan, call but, up your call well, up your friends. Gross about call it. Call up your friends. Like, now Harrington. it sounds like now it sounds like <laughs> I'm taking advantage of the fact that I'm in like the play to like. No, but that's exactly why you can't. Why you're having trouble? Exactly. Kissing her. Yeah, I mean, I you feel want like it to be for real. That's the plot of so many uh, bad comedies, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the like teenage boy starts taking drama as an excuse to kiss the yeah. the co-star? Yep. I mean, let's write so, one right now. It's what? Let's write one right now. Okay, okay. so interior, the school gymnasium <laughs> it's day. Called, it's called uh, the Boner Police. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that's a gritty also, drama. <laughs> that's also the name of the uh, that's the the name of the hit song that comes off of the movie yeah. from like uh, like I don't know. Uh, Go on. Name, wall name of sound or something yeah. like that. Come up with a contemporary music. I don't have any. A Vampire Weekend. <laughs> Yeah, uh, sort of. I guess. Uh, TV on the radio is that a thing? That's uh, yeah. Uh, Boner Police is the song by Migos <laughs> that comes out of the movie. Awesome. Uh, anyway, uh, and of course Cardi B has a has a f- oh, verse wow, on she, it. Yeah, she's got a verse. I mean, cool. she's engaged to the guy from Migos. That's. Can you name that person's name? Of Elliot? course not. <laughs> Jimmy Migos, Bobby Migos. I don't know. <laughs> Felicity Huffman? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she just disappears in a role. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Who's to know she hasn't been a member of Migos all this time? If she yeah. can play a man transitioning into a woman. I don't understand. It reminds me of, uh, what was it, William H. Muffman? Was that the <laughs> yeah. Felicity Huffman, William H. Macy? <laughs> Colbert. Name, yeah. Colbert. Colbert. William H. Muffman. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Nomeo leaves, but the gnomes are still in trouble. And Mankini Gnome saves the day by having a... By, Getting the the gargoyle to dance. So then finally, Watson reveals to Sherlock and Juliet he's been behind all this because Sherlock hasn't been respecting him and he's never treated him like an equal. Or he used to treat him like an equal and now he doesn't. And he only thinks about Moriarty all the time. So Watson set all this up, but the gnomes are really fine. They're not in trouble. Let's go over to the dance party I set up for them. They'll be okay. Uh Uh-oh. That's when the gargoyles turn on Watson. They weren't really working for Watson. Who were they working for, Dan? Moriarty, who is always not dead. He's never dead. Except, yeah. I mean, in the Sherlock show, the Sherlock, yeah, he's dead. dead. So dead. they introduced that crazy story about Sherlock's sister yeah. who's, an, who's crazy and lives uh, on an island prison. 
That don't was even so talk to nuts. Me about that. I mean, like, and she's pretending I, to be a little girl on an airplane. I kind of liked I, it just because it went so crazy. Like, it's I was like, this has gone off the rails. But I can imagine if you watched the first episode of Sherlock and then the last episode of Sherlock, you'd be like, "What the hell happened? <laughs> yeah. Like, in what happened between in between?" Time, it's like uh, the, Stephen Moffat just literally went insane. It's between. the biggest jump between Road Warrior and Road Warrior Two. <laughs> we were like, "Okay, in between movies, a nuclear war ended human civilization." Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that was an interesting thing to gap. I guess the juice is precious at this point. <laughs> uh, I actually you said Road Warrior, Road Warrior Two. Come on, Mad Max and Road Warrior. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, sorry, Mad Max, Mad Max Two is what I meant. Yeah, because Mad mean, Max Two is the Australian title for Warrior. Yeah, I apologize, okay. Mia Culpa. I'll commit seppuku look, after okay, this look, recording. Really it's going in the penalty box. enough that I have to take my licks where I can get them. No, you're right, and I'm sure the listeners were doing the same thing. They were like, that, it's was, Mad Max, not Road Warrior. Yeah, they're sharpening their knives. Thank you. I, I am still going to get a tweet that says, hey, did anyone tell you that it's actually Mad Max, Mad Max? And I'll be like, yeah, Dan, in the episode. <laughs> my favorite thing is when I'll get something wrong, and someone's with me, I'm sure a hundred people have already corrected you about this, and I'm like, nope, nobody except you. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out nobody cares about this thing that's so precious to you. You have to correct it. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> I remember writing into there was a website where they refer it was I think it was on like Think Progress or something and in, in a blog post they referred to Ernest Lubitsch and I wrote in being like probably a lot of people wrote mentioned this too but it's Ernst Lubitsch not Ernest Lubitsch and the author of the post wrote me back and was like oh no thank you I appreciate that no one else mentioned it mm. I'm like oh yeah I guess no one else gives a shit <laughs> Whether Ernst Lubitsch's name is correct. Well, was that before or after Ernest Lubitsch went to jail? Uh, it was after he went to camp, but before he saved Christmas. Sure. Uh, so uh, Moriarty's like, I'm still, I'm still alive. I faked my death, and he has them kidnapped. Uh, Nome, Juliet and. Sherlock Gnomes and Watson take into a boat. They go, when this boat hits Tower Bridge, the drawbridge is going to go up, and that drawbridge is going to crush all the gnomes. So you'll be the – he's like, you'll be the unwitting cause of their death. And I wanted Sherlock Gnomes to be like, in no way am I causing their death right now. I've been kidnapped and tied up on a boat. I cannot control this boat. It would be doing this whether I was here or not. You did this. Don't put this – don't put this ceramic blood dust on my hand. But anyway, he doesn't say that. Uh – uh, let's just cut to the Guys, chase. In a when they make the inevitable like gritty Ernest reboot, okay, the post credit scene is going to have a moment where Ernest is like, "Know what I mean, Vern?" And then you're going to like you meet you'll Vern. hear, and then Vern will like step out from behind, and Vern will like, be like a, the, uh, like a screen, a yeah. Japanese screen, and he'll be like the Rock or something. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, no, Vern is going to or Vern will be like David Hasselhoff or some other ironic casting or something mm-hmm. like that. The gritty reboot of Ernest. Like, what would <laughs> yeah. that be like exactly? Oh, it's it's going to be rough. It's called like Ernest avenges a rape. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So it's like the crow Whoa. or something wow. like that. Whoa. It doesn't get I grittier. Spit on your Ernest. <laughs> Ernest spits on your grave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what other what, what how other gritty way is it going to? I don't work? know. Look, I went as gritty as I could possibly <laughs> get. Spent, Ernest goes to the last house on the left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm sorry, guys. I got a little too real for you. Okay. So our cut to the chase. Our heroes all work together. Sherlock fights Moriarty <laughs> while Watson saves the gnomes. And Watson proves he can come up with solutions to things. I feel like you can just tack on Ernest at the beginning of most movie titles and it works. Like, hey, Ernest, don't look in the basement. Hey, Ernest, <laughs> yeah. children shouldn't play with dead things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ernest, Sophie's choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Ernest's list. <laughs> oh no! Uh, imagine if Ernest had been the one saving all those Jews from the Holocaust. I feel that like never would have worked. I feel like that's the kind of pressure that would bring out the best in Ernest. <laughs> I mean, he always proves himself in the that end. That is the kind of crucible that creates diamonds. Even when Ernest was literally scared stupid, he, <laughs> he managed to stop those goblins and save yeah. Halloween with milk. <laughs> yeah, it was milk, right? That yeah. did the trick. Yeah, goblins hate milk apparently. Yeah. Hey, look. Most adults don't like milk either. I so. don't. I, I, I don't handle it very well. <laughs> There's a reason that uh, when Sean Penn was starring as Harvey Milk in the movie Milk, a lot of people were like, "I don't know about this," and I was like, "No, no, it's not the drink; it's a person." And they went, "Oh, okay, never mind." Oh, that's then. why Josh Brolin's so mad. <laughs> he likes the drink. <laughs> he loves drinking milk, and he's really mad he can't drink Harvey. Yeah. Okay, anyway, I can see Dan getting uncomfortable as I t- as I touch all these hot button issues. No, no, no. We're just so close to the end. Oh, yeah. Anyway, then Genomeo and Juliet defeat the gargoyles. The end. And Sherlock risks his life to save Watson from Moriarty. Uh And Watson saves Sherlock at the last minute, and Sherlock apologizes to him. And you know what? They're best friends again. And uh, Benny and that frog finally (laughs) kiss each other. Uh And then there's a jump forward to spring. It's the spring day celebration. Nomeo and Juliet are in charge. They did a great job. And, of course... They throw a dance party, and Sherlock and Watson are there, and they walk off arm in arm, Sherlock now limping with a cane as Watson used to use a cane because he hurt his leg fighting Moriarty because I guess no garden gnomes have bones that can break. <laughs> There's a part where Moriarty stomps on Sherlock Gnomes' leg, and he goes, ah! And it's like, wait, hold on a second. And it's implied that he hurt, like, broke his leg. Yeah. It's like, so what did he – wait, hold on. What's inside him? Because they're hollow, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's inside him? <laughs> like, is it chocolate or gold? <laughs> like what? Yeah. But uh, – and uh, I have to admit it was a little touching to me to see them walking off into the distance. Two old pals, uh-huh. friendship back together again, arm in arm. Mm-hmm. And Sherlock now depending on Watson in a way that he hadn't before both physically and – and emotionally. And yeah. thus ends Sherlock Gnomes. Did you guys stick around for the bloops? Were, Were there bloops? bloops? I fast I forward, no, I fast forward through the credits. There was no stuff. I fast forward through to see who the voice cast was because I like couldn't recognize so much of it. Uh-huh. And I wasn't sure which of how many of the parts yeah, James Gordon played. To, you didn't want to just say James Gordon all. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be one of those things where there's just all the names and there's a bracket and it just points to James Gordon's name. Yeah. Uh, so let's do our final judgments, whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. Uh, I'll, you know, I won't say that this was a movie I liked, and I'm not sure it's a bad, bad movie either. And it's not a good, it's not bad a movie. good, bad movie. It's not like a movie where you laugh at. It's a movie where I just, my reaction was, why does this exist? <laughs> it's a baffling movie. Other than the rhyme. Like, there's no, like, the rhyme is the entire reason for this movie to have been made and like the fact that it still uses the Nomeo and Juliet characters and it's a crossover like is this the sort of movie? John songs like all of it none of it, like the pieces fit together it's, <laughs> it's like even someone Sher- tore up several scripts and just threw them up in the air even Sherlock Gnomes himself would would be hard pressed <laughs> to solve this riddle yeah uh, LA, you have a kid. Uh, is this the sort of thing that you would put in front of your kid, like sit your kid down and be like, this will keep him entertained for <coughs> an hour and a half? Here's the thing. So I agree with Dan. It's not quite a bad, bad movie. I didn't quite like it, but it was better than I thought it would be. And so, so when I saw the trailer, I was like, my son has never seen this movie. It's nothing but butt jokes. It looks stupid. But actually watching the movie, I was like, I'd be fine with him watching this. I don't know yeah. that it would necessarily keep his attention. It feels like it's so much about whether Nomeo and Juliet are going to stay together and Sherlock Gnomes is like 
deduction, I don't know that a kid would be that interested in those things. And a lot of the jokes are like, there's a lot of jokes where Moriarty like can't get his computer to work right, and he's like, "How do I share screen? Hold on, wait, let me do." And like, it's not a joke that I think a kid would necessarily find funny, but and all that like gnome wordplay, like I don't know. But if my, if Sammy was like, "I want to watch Sherlock Gnomes," and I'd be like, "All right, okay, that's fine. You can watch it. I don't need to watch it with." Well, I mean, what I would do is what I do a lot of times when he's watching TV, which is he says, "Daddy, watch this with me," and he'll watch a show, and I'll just fall asleep next to him on the couch, mm-hmm. and then he'll wake me up and he go, "Daddy, it's over," and I'm like, "Oh, that was good." <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like when I watched uh, Deadpool with my wife. <laughs> and you fell asleep and she kept nudging you to wake up? Yep. She's like, you're missing all the exciting action moments. He's talking to the screen. <laughs> so, Stuart, what do you think? Would you show your son this movie? Yeah, I mean, guys. Your son is a cat, by I'd, the way. You might want to You might want to hold on to your wigs so they don't flip off. But I think this might be a movie that wasn't made for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, hold on. Hold on. Wait a second. Three, I don't know. Approaching middle-aged men? <laughs> probably. Uh, I mean, it's probably more made for us than for a lot of folks, but I don't think it's made for us. So, like, it's hard for me to... It's definitely a kid's movie. Uh, it isn't... It doesn't feel too offensive. No, there are a couple times where characters do the thing I hate, where, like, something will fall on from the side and they'll go, oh, fertilizer. Like, where the joke oh, is that they're yeah. not... They're kind of swearing, yeah. and I hate that. But there aren't, like... Do you remember when every kid's movie seemed to have a Scarface reference in it? Like every kid's movie had Are a part. Are you thinking of MTV's Cribs where every crib <laughs> had like a Scarface room? That's what I'm thinking of. No, there was a period where it felt like every kid's movie had a moment where someone would say, say hello to my little friend. And they'd bring out like a little tiny guy or something yeah. like that. And I would be like, stop it. This is a reference to a, This is not a reference. If a kid gets this reference, the parents have done a bad job. And also job. like it, that's a reference that. I'm almost too young for. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I mainly yeah. get it because of seeing it as a reference so many times. Yeah. It's not like Scarface is so planted in my mind, but like uh that this movie doesn't have much of that. Like I feel like there were aside from the like almost swearing jokes and the baffling amount of Elton John references, there's not there's It does feel like it was made for like Elton John's grandkids or something, or grandnephews. <laughs> I mean, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if Elton John's kids were like his grandkids were like we don't have anything. We don't have anything to watch, Grandpa Elton. <laughs> and he's like, "Produce a movie." <laughs> oh yeah! Like we're bold, Grandpa Elton. Well, I'll just put a movie into production. So in a year and a half, you'll have something to watch. Yay! Yay! Until then, we'll just sit here and drink our tea and eat our plum jam. <laughs> don't go into that wardrobe. Oh, but they have Turkish delights in that wardrobe. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> I remember. Do you guys remember as a kid? Do you have this experience of reading the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and all those mention of Turkish delight and being like, "What is this, this magical no, this candy? Be the best yeah. candy ever! <laughs> this has got to be the most amazing candy in the world." Well, once I understood that sweet meat was not meat, yeah. that it was that it was emphasis on sweet. I was like, "What is this candy? This kid is selling out his reality for it." Yeah. Uh-huh. Have you like, had it? It's terrible. No, I've never had. Or like, or it. like, like sweetbreads. You're like. I don't think that's bread. <laughs> it's not very sweet, and it's, it's like not bread. A, like a gooey cube that is like usually like rose water flavored, and sometimes it has like mm, pistachios involved. Sounds terrible. Not, I mean, Do you also I have mean, the I'm experience al- where you're like, wait, what the fuck, Santa Claus doing here? That was uh, my experience with Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, I don't think it. I mean, I'm as a Jewish kid, I was always asking that question, yeah, yeah. so it didn't bother me that much. <laughs> Rolling.
the news today is terrible. So why not forget about it while listening to Jonah Radio uh, with Cash Hartzell. Hey, everybody. Featuring Neil Mahoney. Also me. This is a podcast where we play music submitted by a listener. We hang out, we listen to new tunes, and uh, we take submissions at Jonah Radio, R-A-Y-D-I-O, at gmail.com. Come and check us out. We're here anyway. Yeah, we'll yeah. be here. So, and that's it. Back to your regularly scheduled uh, podcast. Yeah, Mark. Hey, buddy. Oh, hey, what's up, man? Um, so I'm at this mafia restaurant. What? I'm going to go in and ask these guys what they think the best pasta shape is. Mark, they're probably eating. I have a hunch that it's probably ravioli, but I mean, you know what? That's a good idea. Whatever they're eating, I'll just take a look in their bowls Why don't and you, see what they have. Maybe, There's supposed to be a big meeting there today. Can you see it from the street? That sounds really dangerous. So I'm just going to go inside and ask. Don't don't bother them. They're probably eating, you know. Well, look, I'm not threatened by them. How about we tell them what the best pasta is on our podcast? We got this with Mark and Hal. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank God. Tuesday at nine on maximumfun.org. Hey, I love that show. Hey there, everyone. We didn't know when this uh, show was going to be broadcast, so get ready, buckle your seatbelts, put your pants on, and tie them to something because it's one of my solo ad reads, patent pending. Uh, we have a lot of sponsors. This week, um, well, one sponsor and two Jumbotrons. So if you count the Jumbotrons as sponsors, we have a lot of sponsors. And our first sponsor is Squarespace. Squarespace. It's a place where you can create a beautiful website. Turn your cool idea into a new website. Maybe you want to write some Sherlock Gnomes fanfic and get that out there in the world. And hey, if some of it's a little erotic, I won't tell. I won't tell Dad and Mom, all right? Uh, you can showcase your work, announce an upcoming event or special project, uh, do a little e-commerce, you know, sell some stuff. All that stuff can be done with Squarespace because Squarespace gives you beautiful templates created by world-class designers, uh, functionality that will help you sell anything online, free and secure hosting, and nothing to patch or upgrade ever. They're your one-stop shop, people, for website making. And uh, if you want to get on uh, the website-making train, that's what it's called, by the way, website-making. You go to, to technical college, and they're like, you want to take a class in website-making? And you go, yeah, teach. Anyway, check out squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Hey, we got a couple Jumbotrons here. This first one is a little weird, and it goes like this. Everything is bad. Baskets are very bad. Ours are especially horrible. Please, don't look at me. Also, Valhalla Rising rules, and Snowpiercer is the only thinking person sci-fi movie in decades except for how Egg Day is somehow cooler than Sushi Day, and also somehow they're the same day, and how eating bugs is somehow grosser than eating babies. But I mean, both of those do make you think. So, and uh, their call to action is to visit shittybaskets.com.net 
and browse our terrible home goods. Now, you heard me right. It's shittybaskets.com.net. So the .com part is written out with a D-O-T, C-O-M, and then there's a period, net. So that's that Jumbotron, and I hope you understood it, because I don't. And here's this next one. It's a personal message. It's for Remy. It's from Bill. I think I know these, these Remy and Bill. Uh, good luck to you on your marathon this fall. Or if you can't do it this time for some good reason, good luck when you do. You rule. Uh, I'd like to add my voice to this. Good luck, Remy. Good luck on your marathon. You rule. So those are all of the promotions for this episode. Sorry, as always, for me. And uh, let's get back to the episode. So moving on to letters, uh, we have the first one. is from Delmar. Delmar. Delmar Pizza? Last name withheld. Yeah. Now, guys, let me just take a minute here to say yeah. I should be doing an Elton John inflected letters song. Uh-huh. Hold me, read me closer, tiny letters, uh-huh. or uh, I can't stop talking about that letter dial rock. Mm-hmm. Also, be crock a letter rock, uh, letter man, letter day, yeah, letter, letter day, yeah, letter, letter day, day. Le- letter day, nights all right for letters, or like uh, what else? I believe in letters, or something like. Can you read the letters tonight? I know it's not letters. Or like, la 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 letters and the Jets. But it turns out, I just I thought it's Benny and the Letts. Benny and the Letts is, well, that you, people think that's about Tracy Letts. <laughs> <laughs> Benny <laughs> Tracy <laughs> Letts. He's writing lots of plays and ladybirds. Mm-hmm. He's doing stuff and then he does things. Tracy, Tracy Letts. Uh, but... Here's the thing. I just don't know that many Elton John songs, yeah. so I just can't do this Elton John letter parody everyone wants me to do, so I apologize. All know? right. Uh, anyway. Delmar. Oh, also, also, wait, wait. If I read a letter, but then again, no. Yep. If I read a letter in a traveling letter show. Yep. Like a letter in the wind. I hope yeah, you yeah, don't write. I, I hope you don't write, because <laughs> then I'll have to read. Oh, that's really good, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I guess that's why they call it letters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have said mailbag. That, that fits the blues better. <laughs> I should have said mailbag. So, but guys, yeah. Just... Neither one sounds like the blues. <laughs> Let's be clear. But I guess, but I, what I'm saying is, I guess He's I. He's being charitable to himself. I, I guess yeah. I just don't know enough Elton John songs yeah. when it comes down to it. So I just can't do that. All right. Mm-hmm. Good bit. Anyway, Peaches. Due to its practically holy status to Flophouse lore, I've recently visited a Popeye's. Mm-hmm. While there, it occurred to me that if Elliot were to be executed, his last meal would definitely involve some good, good Louisiana fried chicken. Hell yes, I've thought about it many times. When I tried to think of Here's what- my last meal, guys. Yeah. I want Popeye's fried chicken. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Get me a prime rib from Keens in New York, in Manhattan. Uh-huh. It's not going to taste the same if you mail it to me. So you got to take me out of jail and take me to Keens. I want the full <laughs> experience. The warden. Lobster bisque. That's what I like to get as the appetizer. Okay. Then I get my prime rib, rare mm-hmm. plus. No, that, n- nothing green anywhere near that plate. Mm-hmm, I want to point out my signed pipe that's in the display case in the front, along uh-huh. with all the other comedy pipes. And then I'm going, yeah, no, no green things, except for cream spinach. Mm, yeah. Then... I'm going to go. <laughs> it's delicious. Oh, man. I'm sorry. As I mentioned before on this podcast, 
my I can't handle uh, milk stuff. So oh, when people talk right. about it, it makes me a little upset. Uh, probably some kind of potato on the side. Uh-huh. It's a steakhouse. You need to have potatoes on the side. Then, uh, and you know what? I like asparagus. A lot of people don't think of that as a steakhouse staple, but uh-huh. I like it. Yeah. Then, okay. For the for the pea situation. Then, then it's off to Popeye's. I already got a prime rib in my tummy, but it's time to have like probably eight or nine pieces of mild Popeye's chicken. I want it fried up right then, not sitting under the warmer lights for a while. A little bit of red beans and rice. And then it's off to eat an entire molten chocolate cake. And okay. then- Strap me into old Bessie and light me up. It's and, time for uh, me to ride the lightning into the into the netherworld. And you couple explode of as soon as the electricity hits you. Yeah. Couple, couple of cokes. What do you? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm drinking coke the whole time. Uh, maybe a couple. You know, like uh, you know what? I'll even try some of those weird handmade sodas. No, oh, I don't want cool. that. My last meal, forget it. I just want. Give me a four liter bottle of Coca Cola, yeah. and I'll just chug that on down. Uh-huh. Uh, to move on to the rest of the letter. <laughs> When I tried to think of what meals Stuart and Dan would order, I drew a blank. So, fellas, what would each of you have for your last meal? Am I right that Popeye's is just too tempting for Ellie to pass up? Well, Keep on first I would go Delmar. to Keens. No. Get, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. What would I have for my last meal? I think I might have a little uh, fatty barbecue brisket. Oh, yeah. That sounds good. Just a little bit because well, you're watching your figure before you die? A lot. Uh, I mean, as long as I'm going... As long as I'm going the barbecue route, I'll just keep on going with that. Maybe have some sausage. Uh, the ribs. Ribs. Uh, some Frito pie. Oh, wow. Oh, sure, yeah. You're not, you, look. It's, look, I'm still, I'm not, I don't need to watch my figure anymore. Yeah, a, li- a minute on the lips, a lifetime of eternity in a coffin. <laughs> and then for dessert, I think I would have a, a big slice of strawberry rhubarb pie. <laughs> slice of pizza. <laughs> strawberry <laughs> rhubarb pie. Probably with a, little, with a little vanilla ice cream on the side. Uh-huh. What if it was pizza with ice cream on on the top of it? Uh, I it would be gross. I mean, what do I you don't mean, know. I once if... had a I had a once had pizza with mashed potatoes on it. Yeah, and it was delicious. And mashed potatoes looks kind of like ice cream sometimes. Okay, uh-huh. well, yeah. I guess you checkmate for me. <laughs> uh, and what are you washing all that down with milk? It's <laughs> a big old glass of milk. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like milk might not be bad with a pie. I know I'm not. Uh, you don't like lactose, but. Uh... Yeah, I uh, so I would have like I mean like I would either go with iced tea to keep with the barbecue the wrapper stuff, or I would have like some like I mean he'd probably be good dinner company some rye whiskey with uh, on the rocks. Wait, what's on the rocks? Rye whiskey. I don't think they're gonna give you alcohol. Maybe they do. I don't know. Do they give you alcohol before you last before you get killed? I'll ask the warden. Okay, Uh, Jack Warden, the late Jack Warden. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Warden the college. Yeah, yeah, you'll ask Wharton. Uh, you yeah, ask I'd, Edith Wharton. I'd, I'd probably do. I'd probably do Indian food. Uh, I would probably uh, like a family style. Just give me a lot of everything. I have a tendency. That's Indian food's one of those things where I've my brain kind of shuts off the like stop eating function, mm-hmm. and so by the time I'm done, I'm like, oh my god, what did I do? I I don't know if I can make it home. That's me with Chinese food. I, my, my my brain is just like, oh, yeah, your your stomach is a bottomless bag, right? Mm-hmm. Just keep shoveling Chinese food in there, yeah. and then I get so full and my tummy hurts. So, like, I'll, you know, and I like to mix it up. So, you you got your biryanis, you got your bunas, you got, I'd have a couple of lamb dishes, a couple of veggie dishes. I like okra. Give me that okra. Yum, yum, yum. And dessert, I would uh, drink a six-pack of beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, guys, good news. We've been sentenced to death. <laughs> okay. oh, cool. So we're all going to get our special meals. <laughs> all our dreams are coming true. Yeah. 
this next letter is from Walker, last name withheld. Comma, Texas Ranger. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, who writes, Dear Floppers, I have a distinct memory of going to the video store with my mom as a kid. That's ador- That's wonderful. What, next letter? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's sweet that you have those special memories. <laughs> Not really a question, but I guess. <laughs> and admiring the box art and design of Wes Anderson's Rushmore. Uh-huh. When she said she was looking for something to watch, I told her to get that one, and she did. The next day, I asked her what it was about, and she told me, a high schooler who falls in love with his teacher, and at the end, he dies of hypothermia trying to save a guy from drowning in a lake. Wait, what? <laughs> this really stuck with me. And when I eventually watched Rushmore, maybe 10 years later, I spent the entire time waiting for a sudden tragic turn that never came. Mm-hmm. I have two questions. One, have you ever had misinformation about a movie or its ending affect your viewing experience just as much as an actual spoiler might have? And two, what the hell was my mom talking about? <laughs> Thanks, Walker, last name withheld. Yeah, very, that's uh, like uh, when, when I didn't do the reading and somebody explained to me what happens in Bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> You're like, wait, so they never get to Terabithia? What? <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I had a situation like that with, uh, what was it, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, which, which the third The third one, yeah. So I I had tickets to like a fancy IMAX screening, but it wasn't until Fancy just, like you had to wear a bow tie? Yeah, it was uh, it was black tie only. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, it was a couple days after release. I think it was like the Wednesday after release. And I, I had gotten off a bartending shift and I was in the bodega getting a sandwich and some drunken guys were talking about it. And one guy's like, yeah. And then Bane breaks Batman's back and kills him. And I'm like, fuck dude, why do I have to hear this? So I went in being like, wow, Batman's going to fucking die from a broken back in this movie. So that totally changed my perception. (laughs) Considering he heals himself from a broken back. Yeah. I mean, he's Batman dude. He can do anything he wants. I th- there's I realized something I was just thinking about this for some reason in the shower the other day that at the end of Dark Knight Rises he and Catwoman have escaped spoiler alert have escaped to Italy uh-huh. and are just living a private life and it was almost like Bat- like the idea that Batman after saving Gotham from that neutron bomb or whatever it is uh-huh. was like you know what I've done enough crime fighting I feel like I've filled the the gap left by my dead parents I'm good. I'm calling it quits now. Like the idea that I mean, I think it's possible for that character to reach that point in his life. I mean, for a normal that's all I can hope for. For a normal person, I think he is totally fair, saying like I did my part. You guys do the rest. But it just seemed very funny to me that Batman, who's presented as this like this unending need for justice, that he was like, "Mm, I think I did it. I mean, and I nailed it. Various, go- <laughs> various plot points aside, I'm assuming that's one of the reasons why diehard Batman fans don't like that movie. Yeah. I mean, wait, was Batman in a diehard movie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you might know him as Hans Gruber. <laughs> wait, he's the bad guy? He is. It's crazy. Now the- I so want to see a diehard, like a John McClane Batman crossover. Uh I don't feel like you would be satisfied with the results. No, probably not. I mean, the I mean, I feel like that kind of an ending for Batman is better than Joel Schumacher's argument, where he's like, uh, "It's been a long time. I think Batman would get over the death of his parents. Why is he like brooding about it all the time?" I mean, except that like there is something like uh, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who I won't mention by name, but his whose father was murdered similarly when he was a kid, and he was like, "Yeah, I had to deal with it." I didn't dress up in a costume and go fight crime. And I was like, actually, you make you make a good point. A lot of people have to deal with the death of their parents, and they don't do it by dressing up like an animal and punching criminals. But in the I face. mean, that's all, that's like defining the character, though. That's like being like, "Hey, Batman, what you're doing is stupid." Like, okay, movie's done. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, as for Rushmore in particular, I may have told this story on the 
podcast before, but I remember you thought it was about Guts and Borglum sculpting Mount Rushmore. Well, that was the, no on the <laughs> on the DVD for uh, Rushmore. They have a Charlie Rose interview from the Charlie Rose Show, and Charlie Rose is talking to Jason Schwartzman and and Wes Anderson, and he keeps saying like, "Oh, you know, Max Fisher is this young man who wants to have his face on Rushmore," and like they never go like. What? <laughs> they never go like, what the hell are you talking about? But I think it's in Royal Tenenbaums. It's like it, there's in a later Wes Anderson movie, there's something that's clearly a parody of Charlie Rose. Uh-huh. And I think that that's the result of like Charlie Rose just like not, not understanding watching the movie or whatever happened to that's make him funny. do that. I don't I don't know if I don't can't remember something where I like was given the wrong ending and it threw me off. But I remember I may have talked about this on the podcast for what was that? What's that movie with Steve Gutenberg where it's all those Irish ghosts? High, High spirits. High spirits with Peter O'Toole. With Peter O'Toole. I remember that coming out when I was a kid and a kid when I was little and a kid being like, "Oh yeah, I saw that movie High Spirits," and I was like, "What happens in it?" And he told me the most horrifying tale of like <laughs> sexual violence of like women being stabbed with between the legs. He's like, yeah, yeah, this woman, it's a hundred years ago. And she, and this guy like stabs her in, in her private parts and all this terrible. And he's like, goes on and on describing this horrifying story. And it like for years, I would see that in the video store and be like, Oh, I can never watch that movie. Like that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And then getting to a point where I was old enough that I like, they're just like, hold on a second. How is that in any way what could have happened in this Steve Gutenberg <laughs> movie? And just wondering, I don't remember who the kid was, but I remember so vividly the story he was telling me. And I just being like, whatever happened to that kid? <laughs> like, what was living in that boy's brain? Yeah, where, where is the skull traveled to? <laughs> yeah. Although, to be fair, since my son is nonstop talking about chopping my body into pieces and uh-huh. shoving things in my face, yeah. it might just be what little boys talk about yeah. is the most violent things they can think of. Uh, this next letter is from Henry I mean, last name. Johnny Ryan's made an entire <laughs> comic book career out of that. <laughs> Good point. Uh, uh, book of Henry? Yeah, Book of Henry writes, Dear Flibbity Florps, what are your favorite edits for TV? I'm specifically thinking audio, but maybe there are some good, bad, confusing cuts out there, too. My favorite was a broadcast of The Big Lebowski when Walter is confronting Larry about the missing million bucks. Uh, instead of, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, it says, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> Keep doing whatever it is you do between flop housing, a stranger not in the Alps. Uh, I think my favorite, I have two favorite edits. One is because when I was a kid, we watched Ferris Bueller all the time, and we have the TV version. So there's just the part, a lot of like, it just very obvious ones, where it's like, I'm not saying Cameron is tight, but if you took a put a piece of coal in his fist, in a week you'd have a diamond when the line is up his ass. Yeah. Where he goes... It goes, pardon my French, but you, sir, are a moron. And just as a kid being like, it's not that bad. But there's, I remember seeing a TV edit on like WPIX of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and they didn't want to show someone masturbating on screen. So it looked like Phoebe Cates actually was trying to seduce Judge Reinhold's character. <laughs> and then it came back and it went to commercial. And they came back to commercial. I'm like, are none of the characters talking about how Phoebe Cates was just like coming up to Re- Judge Reinhold? <laughs> like the idea that this is a fantasy of his was totally erased. How do they uh, even edit that? I mean, like that's they just showed, scene is so much about Phoebe Cates' breasts. Like how they like reframed the shot, okay. kind of, so that seems it, like it was a lot of work up. for that movie. Yeah, I mean, at that point, just don't put the movie on WPIX. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I think <coughs> I think my favorite one was just coming to America when he's yelling out of his balcony when people are yelling "fuck you," they're all yelling "forget you," and he's like "forget you too." <laughs> yeah, it's a moment of love. You know, yeah. it's great. Weird coming to America. We had it taped off HBO, so I got all of that. Not that uh-huh. was when we were kids. These are the movies we watched: Teen Wolf, Coming to America, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Dark Crystal, 
and Gremlins. I think when was, we, and Ghostbusters was the only movies we watched. I think when we first got uh, like cable or a satellite dish or something, that was when we first got Comedy Central. Coming to America was on Comedy Central. Ah, uh, I see. Time. So they probably cut out the part where he was taking a bath. Also, yeah. I'm going to read one last very quick letter from Mike, last name withheld. Mm-hmm. Mike of the Mechanics, who just writes. I was going to say Mike of the Mad Dog. Vin Diesel and Eddie Deason in D's Nuts. <laughs> and that's all he writes. Yeah, I'll watch it. There, sure. There are a couple of orderlies. <laughs> now, I would love. So, in that one, I assume Eddie Deason is Vin Diesel's dad mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, or maybe They're not like. the same age? Uh, Eddie Deason's a little bit older uh-huh. than Vin Diesel, seeing okay. how Eddie Deason's heyday was the 80s. Uh-huh. And Vin Diesel's heyday is right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe, what, maybe that like... Capable of playing high school to 35. Actually, here's, I would call it these guys. Here's how I'd pitch this movie. Okay. Vin Diesel is a super spy. He's basically like a Xander, what's his last Cage. name? Cage. Xander Cage, Fast and Furious type guy. What's his Fast and Furious character? Uh, Rolo Tomasi or something? <laughs> it's, uh, BB Newworth? Uh, People are shouting shoot. into their eyes. Sweet, sweet right Donnie now. Pickles. What is I it? had it, but then there's the deluge of fake names. <laughs> Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> I was driven it from my brain. At Corvus. Dominic Toretto. Hell yeah, <laughs> you're it right. Is. Dom yeah. Toretto. Dom Toretto. So he's he's one of those he types of have characters. Friends, guys. He's he's one of those <laughs> types family. of characters. He's a super tough guy, and Eddie Deason is his uncle, and Eddie Deason's like. For whatever reason, he, he can't pay his bills. He's thrown out of his house or something like that. Uh-huh. And he's got to go live with Vin Diesel. And Vin Di- and he's, he just won't – he, like, wants to hang out with his nephew because they never really got to know each other. Uh-huh. And so Eddie Deason is trying to tag along with Vin Diesel as he goes on, like, a big spy mission. You know? Oh, okay. I like so that's it. So that's what I – and you probably wouldn't call it D De- – you probably wouldn't and have he, D's in like, the title because they wouldn't be playing <laughs> themselves. And Vin Diesel's trying to, like – he's trying to use his uncle's cover so they go to, like, Monaco or something. Yeah, yeah. And he – it's under the you know illusion that they're going on a, a vacation together, but it's actually you know it's actually a spy thing. But Eddie Deason doesn't know he can't. He has to keep it a secret that he's a spy. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And Eddie Deason keeps like stumbling through these spy things mm-hmm. and being like, "Oh, this is great, guy. you know that kind of stuff." Uh-huh. And it and maybe the bad guys think Eddie Deason's the spy. A la mm-hmm. if we should kill exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's the move. And I would call it like. D's nuts. I think we already talked about. Or like, that. Yeah, D's nuts. Or like, or like the spy's uncle or something like uh. that. My nephew is a spy. Spy's uncle's the, like the John Lecaré version. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So that was a great letter segment, guys. A plus. Okay. Thanks for the grade. Uh, I'll just put that on my wall. Go say yeah on the fridge right now. <laughs> but any comments? Uh, just says great jor. I could have remembered <laughs> great, uh, jor. <laughs> great jor. Even when he's writing, he can't say it right. That's yeah. weird. Okay, <laughs> not even an exclamation point. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what a jorb is, but I did it really well. Uh, but we got to do our last segment of the show, which is recommendations: movies that we watch that you should watch probably instead of. Sherlock Gnomes. I almost said Gnomeo and Juliet. It's hard to not. It's hard, yeah. Especially since we haven't seen the first one, so I don't have a separate movie in my head. So they should have called this Gnomeo and Juliet 2, The Rise of Sherlock Gnomes or something like that. I think that makes sense. Yeah. What do you think the third movie is going to be? I I mean, Gnome Country for Old Men's uh, possible. That's pretty good, yeah. Uh, I mean, I already said The Rise and Fall of the Gnomean Empire. That was my best one that Mm -hmm. I could come up with. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, Noam Chomsky's. Yep, 
new book. Yeah, it's called Noam Chomsky. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> yeah. the theme song is uh, a parody of Duran Duran's Is There Something I Should Gnome? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who Could It Be Gnome? Yep. It's the song. <laughs> <laughs> Who Could It Be Gnomes? Who Could It Be Gnomes? Immediately regret it. Yeah. So, Dan, are we going to recommend some movies? Sure. I'll recommend one. Yeah. I'm going to disappoint everyone, even though I came to Seattle on a plane. Mm-hmm. The only movie I watched on the plane was all right. It was okay. Wow, okay. You know, some would even say this is information that doesn't need to be related <laughs> to the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I think people were How was your snack bread. on the plane, Dan? <laughs> people hear that I've been on a plane, and they're curious to see if I watched a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I did watch a movie. It was Battle of the Sexes, and it was all right. That's what I've heard about Battle of the Sexes. That's just okay. Uh... So instead, I'm going to go the other direction and not surprise anyone, do a really obvious pick, which is I saw Incredibles 2 on my birthday, and Mm -hmm. it was predictably very good. Now, Uh, were you, like the New Yorker's Anthony Lane, totally turned on? I was totally boned out by (laughs) Elastigirl. You you couldn't hold on to your popcorn because you were so (laughs) so sexed up by what you were seeing? I stole someone else's popcorn because they didn't have any popcorn. I put it over my boner, and then my popcorn went flying. No, I wonder no, why you stole wait, so it much. It flew off your body. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so much. There's just so much sproying. Yeah. Action. When when his penis when his penis did, telescoped did the, out as it does did into you say a boner. The popcorn flew off your body, or the boner flew off your body. He <laughs> <laughs> had such a powerful boner that it it managed to fling itself off yeah, of his yeah, body yeah, yeah. with a tearing sound. Yeah, like a, like a yeah, like a Greek myth. It, <laughs> <laughs> It's imbued with life. Yeah, much as the, if the Discobolus came to life and finished throwing that discus, it would fly off into the horizon. That's what happened with, with Dan's erection. Mm-hmm. So Incredibles 2, bonerfying? Totally bonerfying. Okay. It was a good movie? Yeah, I, it, it, I think that it suffers a little from not having as straight ahead a, a, a story as the first movie. Like, it has a little bit of, like, sequelitis of, like, why exactly are we telling this story? Does it need to be told again? Are there like, two villains in it? Uh, I don't want to spoil it. Okay, don't spoil it. Because I know I'm not a huge fan of the, it's the next movie in the series, we got to add one more villain yeah. to the total number of villains. I think the the strongest thing about Incredibles 2, though, is... is Mr. Incredible, because he's super strength. <laughs> That's a, he's got a good point. <laughs> yeah. All right, the second strongest thing is the action sequences. Because it's done in animation, it, like... It has the the craziest, most kinetic clockwork action sequences, and Brad Bird is very good at working that stuff out, and... Uh, it can do stuff that, like, in a normal superhero movie, I'm like, I'm kind of sometimes feeling like, what's the physics of this thing? Like, that, even if they're superheroes, that wouldn't happen that way. It bothers me. And you're like, who's stronger, Aquaman or Cyborg? Uh-huh. But in an animated movie, like, because the <laughs> physics are, are so those elastic. Those are the two. You're like, I don't need to know about the super strongest guys. What about the guys at the middle level? Yeah, who's yeah. the strongest of them? Uh-huh. Uh, well, it's when, when you see, like, when Vulture ranks, like, all the Beatles songs ranked. I don't care about what they think the I best song is. I about Vulture, the super villain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, too. wow, he's got opinions on fucking Beatles <laughs> when songs? I, go I to guess a- he's old. When I go to Adrian Toomes' blog, <laughs> and he ranks all the episodes of the Rockford Files, I'm not interested in what's the top or the bottom. I can guess those. I want to know what's in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, look, you're going to rank all the Beatles songs. I know. You know my name. Look up the number is going to be number one, and I know that <laughs> exactly. most of George Harrison's more experimental or John Lennon's experimental songs will be at the bottom. So look, uh, and if you, it's like if you ranked all the Beach Boys songs, you know Kokomo is dead last because it's the worst song in human history. <laughs> this is uh, I had a moment recently. Apparently, 
my son, uh, my wife had to text me about this, that there was a ice cream truck playing Kokomo, and my son turned to her and said, what's this song? This is a good song. Oh, and it, it cut me to the quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so you're saying Incredibles 2 has a little bit of sequelitis, but otherwise, but otherwise yeah, the strongest thing is the action sequences because Brad Bird knows what he's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and, pretty much all and, I have to say about and it. It's bonerifying, I think. And super totally bonerifying. Super yeah. worth seeing, though. Super worth seeing because it's a superhero movie. Super I think right. you're right, Elliot. Give me a give me another pun. Give me another superhero pun. Uh, it's superb. I'll allow it. I mean, I mean, there are other words than super. <laughs> you could call it high flying or something like that. Oh, okay, I got you. I didn't yeah. know that, that was the whole the world was my sandbox. <laughs> yep, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> okay, Elliot, what are you recommending? I'm going to go the opposite route, and I'm going to do something a little different for me and recommend an old movie. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I recently watched, watched a movie called The Purchase Price from 1932. It's a Barbara Stanwyck movie from this period when, in the early 30s, when Barbara Stanwyck was making these kind of super short movies about women forced to kind of find their own way in the world. And this movie, she's a like she's a singer in a club who is dating a mobster but is engaged to a rich heir to a rich family – when the heir finds out she's been dating this mob, she breaks up with the mobster. The heir finds out she's been dating a mobster and dumps her, and the mobster wants to get back together with her. So she wants to escape, and she runs off and through a series of events becomes the mail-order bride of a wheat farmer out in the country mm-hmm. and has to deal with suddenly being in this strange position where she is married to a man that she doesn't really know, and also the man starts to doubt. She He suspects her when she doesn't give herself to him on the first night, and – he, so she has to figure out how does she win his trust back and also does she want to be there? And eventually it all hinges on whether his new wheat strain that he's been breeding, whether they can successfully cultivate enough to save the, save the farm from the bank. Interesting. And this movie is 70 minutes long and okay. it has so much random plot in it. And Barbara Stanwyck is great in it and it's directed by William Wellman. So there are sequences that look fantastic. Uh, there's just like a lot of interesting shots in it. But it feels like I'm a big fan of Guy Madden, and it feels like the kinds of movies Guy Madden is drawing on a lot mm. where the plot does not follow a straight line. It is all over the place, and it is more like – it's almost more like a a sequence of, of scenes or moments that are only tenuously connected in some ways, and the ending is so abrupt, and the emotions in it are so strange. The man she becomes married to is such a jerk, and she becomes so devoted to him, and that's the one thing I found really problematic about it is that – she falls in love with this guy who's just a total asshole to her. But I, but it's it. My, the '30s is my favorite time in Hollywood. I mean, that's kind of Empire Strikes Back too. Yeah, I mean most movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, the '30s is my favorite time in Hollywood history. Partly because they were making these movies, they were churning them out so fast that like there's this weird dream logic to a lot of them. And I don't want to overstate how weird this movie is, but you watch it and you get kind of whiplash a few times of like, wait, what is going on in this movie? And I was like. The mobster is still looking out, looking for her, and it's like if this movie was made now, she would go to the farm. This mobster would catch up with her, and the go- the the husband would have to fight the mobster to save her and like prove himself that way. And the mobster would be a real threat. And instead, events just kind of like happen. Anyway, I don't. It's a anyway. I enjoyed it a lot, but it's a movie that you can't watch through the eyes of a modern day movie viewer. Or if you do, you want to watch it through the eyes of someone who is ready for just kind of things to happen and dissipate as they do, you know, like as they will in the movie. So it's called The Purchase Price. I enjoyed it a lot. But if you don't like old movies, oh boy, 
Just oh, go man. watch No Meat for Sherlock <laughs> keep, Gnomes. Keep walking. Keep walking. It's in black and or white. So I got two quick recommendations. The first is a movie called Assassination Games. Game? I can't remember which one. It's uh, a, uh, action, a cheapy action movie starring my man Scott Adkins and Jean-Claude Van Damme. So like the modern Jean-Claude Van Damme and the old Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, this is from, I think, 2011. And Scott Adkins has crack, uh, cranked out a lot of these action movies. Some of them are really great, like, uh, you know, Ninja 2, Shadow of a Tear. And I think Close Range was the other one I really liked. This is a little older. The action scenes aren't quite as good. However, it's worth coming. It's worth watching, if only for the completely unbelievable uh, villains uh, that are in the movie. Like the Interpol agents totally aren't believable as Interpol agents. And the mobsters are not scary at all. Uh, there's a weird amount of violence toward women. So don't watch if that, I mean, it's, that's pretty weird. If you don't love violence towards women. (laughs) I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a weird qualification, I suppose. Um, however, what's great about it is Jean-Claude Van Damme's performance in this movie is hilarious and there is a sensual turtle stroking scene. (laughs) So watch it for that. Uh, the movie that I'm, uh, is not a qualified recommendation that I'm going to recommend quickly because I don't want to go too deep into spoilers or anything is hereditary, a uh, new horror movie that may or may not still be in theaters. Uh, Tony Collette's in it. Uh, it's great. It's filled with dread. I want to see that. Um, it reminds me a lot of, uh, it feels like a movie that was heavily inspired, not necessarily plot wise, but just the way that like it's shot and the way that people deal with stuff by, it, it reminds me a lot of Japanese horror films. Hmm. Um, and it's, it, there And there's moments in it that are just are so like kind of stark and shocking and beautiful. Like it's a it's a very it's a very interesting looking movie. Uh, so, yeah, uh, go be stressed out. All right. Uh, well, it's been one week since you looked at me. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. Do you guys ever realize that uh, Bare Naked Ladies is basically children's music? Uh, sure. Like the I mean, way, uh, yeah. People or or college students with the taste of children. Yeah, I guess that's it. I was I, I was mean, thinking about I was hearing some in a car recently, and I was like, if I went to a bare naked ladies concert, it would feel like I was going to a Wiggles concert. I don't know a lot of bare naked ladies, but I do know the song old Dan, old apartment. You get around. You know plenty of bare naked ladies. Yeah, because that show was playing in at Earlham all the time. You know the song old apartment. No, right? I don't like, think I know that it's, one. That has like a lot of like wistful adult feelings oh, that okay. I think don't uh, that like a kid would not understand. I mean, it's about like it's like the ly- lyrics are broken to our old apartment, and it's about, and it's like this is where we used to live, and it's oh, okay. about how like it's a classic. You, this used to be my playground type song. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and like how the new owners have changed everything around, and like oh, that's a little different. Okay, yeah. That's fair. Well, and yeah, and like and the the difficulty of getting older. It's mm-hmm. like uh, Johnny's back by the band Riot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is okay. all about like you know not liking change and just trying to get back into the old swing of things even though it isn't quite the same anymore that's kind of mm-hmm. how i always feel about the boys are back in town it sounds like a really sad song to me because mm-hmm. i think it's supposed to be like yeah the boys are back we're having fun but it always feels like hey the boys are back mm-hmm. well okay we're not boys anymore so like go do your you, stuff you i've must, got things to do you must be listening to the bruce springsteen version <laughs> <laughs> So this is a weird way of ending the show. Like sad. I mean, and, like and da- dragging the bare naked ladies. Sad and like unrelated <laughs> to anything else we've talked about. Hey, look, you're the one who said one week. <laughs> I guess so. 
I don't oh, no, no, you said, said it's been. Said you said it's been. been. <laughs> so I guess it's on me. Yeah, Dan, never say anything that can be misconstrued as the lyrics to a song. Yeah. So hey, you said it's been, and I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah. It's been 260-some episodes, and I still don't really know how to end this podcast. So, mm-hmm. Well, usually we just do it by talking about bare naked ladies for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. the, more, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. What goes around, gnomes around. All right, on that note. No, wait. What gnomes around... Gnomes around. around. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, for for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Yeah, you are. I'm Stuart Wellington. And this is Elliot Kalen. Not Elliot McCoy. That was just a goof earlier. My mm-hmm. last name's Kalen. See you guys. Peace. Can we try one more? That's. Let's <laughs> try, <it>. Let's try <laughs> one more. Okay. Well, I Wait, like I, I still don't think I have anything, but. On this episode, we discuss. Sherlock gnomes. Uh, Dan, you misspoke. I think you mean Sherlock Holmes. Oh, no, wait, I get it, because they're gnomes. <laughs> you can't talk me. No, I'm I kind of like to do it. All right, and three, two. Oh, wait, 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 let's try one more. I got one more. <laughs> On this episode, we discuss Sherlock gnomes. The movie that dares to answer the question, hey, what if Sherlock Holmes was a gnome? All right. <laughs> yeah, we did it. And three. Wait, Should wait, we do okay. Another couple? No. Wait, wait, let's do one more. <laughs> <laughs> On this episode, we discuss Sherlock Gnomes. Spoiler alert Holmes and Gnomes rhyme. The movie MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.